0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Congratulations, WBT, on your 100th anniversary. All of us at Sunny's Barbecue are honored to have been a partner
2: with you for the past 44 years.
3: Hi.
1: I'm Tommy
4: Lawing Jr. with TR Lawing Realty. I'm a native Charlottean and WBT has always been a part of my life. As a little kid, I often spent the night at my grandparents' house and granddaddy always listened to Gil Stamper with his farm news at daybreak, so I did too. Bob Bean was a member of our church and taught Sunday school classes there for many years. And I have fond memories of Doug Mays' booming voice welcoming standing room only crowds to many shrine bowls in Memorial Stadium. Everyone at WBT has always given back to the community in so many ways. Thank you and congratulations WBT on your 100th anniversary.
5: Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Larson and I'm Dr. Rick Van Gerp from the Center for TMJ and Sleep Apnea. Our most heartfelt congratulations to WBT, Charlotte's Radio Powerhouse, on your 100th anniversary. Few companies achieved this special milestone.
6: This requires an incredible team year after year and a strong
5: desire to serve both your clients and the millions of people who tune in on a daily basis. The Center for TMJ and Sleep Apnea is honored to be the sponsor for this special occasion. All the doctors and staff here at the center wish you many more years of unparalleled success.
7: Congratulations. Now, Diddy, Diddy, all we need you to do is count, slowly. You know, like one, two, three.
8: Just
9: count? That's all? I can do that, Mr. (laughs) Gluck.
7: And remember, speak good and loud. The microphone will pick up your voice. But it won't sound too good if you whisper.
9: Okay. (laughs) Will I be
7: famous? (laughs) You never know.
10: Okay. Here we go. One, two, three, testing. Hope you can hear me.
9: Okay. One, two,
10: three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine,
9: ten. Testing? Testing. One. Two, three.
5: Well, good evening. I'm Mark Garrison with uh, Charlotte at Six on WBT. Thank you. And what you just saw here is exactly how WBT started in 1922. No kidding. The first broadcast in a house in East Charlotte on Mecklenburg Avenue. Diddy, that was just perfect.
8: You can hear me?
7: (laughs) Loud and clear. Your cheery voice came booming over the speaker in that chicken coop.
9: (laughs) I will be famous.
5: (laughs) Well, perhaps we should begin this evening by meeting the man who made this possible, Mr. Earl Gluck. (laughs) Now, Mr. Gluck may not be a name familiar to many of you, but he and two of his friends started WBT in 1922, and we're Mm -hmm. glad you're here tonight. True, it really started in a chicken coop? Yes, sir.
7: happened at Fred Laxton's house. Right.
5: Now, he was my buddy, and we
7: loved to tinker. Yeah? So I bought some radio tubes and built a transmitter, just a little low-powered thing. How low power? Oh, about 25 watts. (laughs) That's not a lot. (laughs) We put the transmitter in his house, Yeah. plugged the microphone in it, and I had his daughter, Diddy, sit at the dining room table and start counting.
5: (laughs) That is amazing.
7: And we put the receiver in the chicken coop behind the house. Are there chickens in it? <laughs> no. Nah. Oh. He got rid of those.
5: <laughs> so you guys were just convinced uh, by doing this that this radio thing might take off?
7: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, by 1922, Mark, there were over 500 setups just like ours across really? the country. Wow. People doing a little homegrown broadcasting, trying to figure out ways to make money,
5: sending voices through the air. We're still trying to figure out that today. (Laughter.) Um. <laughs> But um, then what happened after the chicken coop experience? You moved uptown, right? Well, actually, in uh, ni-
7: early 1922, yeah, we, you know, me and Fred Lacks figured if we had a radio station in Charlotte, that we can make money selling tubes to people and build their own radios and ah, listen. yeah. So we set up a company called Southern Radio Supply, and I made 125 bucks a, do- a month. That doesn't sound like very much. <laughs> Boy, that was a good job. You know, in today's money, that would be about $2,000 a month. Whoa, that is good. <laughs> well, well, did you sell many radios? Not at first. We did get an experimental license from the government. Yeah. And they gave our little homegrown chicken coop station the name 4XD. Can't do a catchy radio jingle with that. Well, radio jingles, they didn't come around for another 20 years.
5: Yeah, that's a good point.
7: <laughs> well, by early 1922, though, yep. we moved 4XD downtown to the eighth floor of the independence building where we apply for a rio radio license
5: that was did that take a long time to get
7: no sir on april 10th 1922 the government approved our license and gave our station the call letters wbt and the rest as they say is history is (laughs)
5: um Now, a lot of people think that WBT stands for Watch Buick Travel.
7: Uh, I know. I know. It's not exactly true. Okay. You see, in 1926, we sold the company to a local Buick dealer. That guy was coming up with crazy ideas to sell cars. (laughs) He's the one that told everybody WBT stood
5: for Watch Buick Travel. Oh, so that's where that came from. That's where that came from. So what kind of programming did you have in the early days?
7: Oh, son, it was like an American Idol TV show. Everything was live. People came from all around just to be on the radio. Really? Even though only about 150 people in town actually had a radio. Wow. So people would just show up at the studio and expect to be put on? Oh, We put everybody on. (laughs) Everybody. We even had people that were so nervous, they faded dead right away when we said, You're on. Really? Really? And and some... Well, let's just say... They were really bad singers. I'm not surprised to hear that. And if they were really bad... Yeah? What would you do? The announcer would just start playing a phonograph record. and wouldn't even tell them... That they have been cut off the air.
5: (laughs) That is just remarkable. (laughs) Wow.
7: Yeah, but in 1929... We were bought by CBS. Yep, I remember. And by then... We had a full-time orchestra and more local announcers, so I decided it was my time to move on. Where'd you go, son? You ought to know that. What kind of reporter are you? Apparently,
5: a not very good one. Uh, well, <laughs> I left and started WSOC. What? Mm-hmm. So you're to blank? I mean, so you started BT and SOC? Absolutely. Well, now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> wow. That's remarkable. Yeah. So, as you know, you were inducted into the WBT Hall of Fame <laughs> a long time ago for all your great work. Thank you. Yes, and,
7: and I'm honored. I'm honored that WBT is still thriving after 100 years. Oh, and by the way, yeah. WSOC yeah. doesn't have a Hall of Fame well, that's good to know and not surprising
5: and we've got we've got more people being inducted into the wbt hall of fame tonight we do indeed three that's coming Ooh. up a little later this evening yeah <laughs> oh i had one more question so mr laxton's daughter her nickname was diddy <laughs> did she ever get to be famous no but
7: she did enjoy telling the story how wbt got it you know how we started as a matter of fact, several years later, she was on the radio again, on WBT, and she had an interview with one of your news reporters yep. about that little chicken coop station. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, we will get to hear that right now.
11: I spoke the first words into
1: the station that finally became WBT, yes. Before WBT, this station was called what? 4XD, I believe. It was an experimental station. And it was started by your father, the late Fred Laxton. Yes, it was. I imagine you had a message of great import, a great significant message which would go down uh, with the years. Did you not? Exactly what did you say? I'm afraid it was
9: not too outstanding. I was left in the dining room to say 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 over and over again.
4: There's something about this building
1: that makes you not want to leave. I wanted to come here to the Mecca. This is a mountain.
12: This is a gathering of eagles.
13: And I remember we would listen to WBT. I
1: love this radio station as much
3: as you guys, too, but I love this radio station because of you guys. This powerful
14: voice... ...of the good stuff. It was all about the people and the chance to do great broadcasting. I always wanted to be a broadcaster, and that's what the radio station did for me. WBT has always been revered.
11: This is history. This is inspirational.
14: News Talk
3: 1110, WBT. Hey, yeah, gather my friends. I, as You're you, go dreamed of someday being able just to cut my hand over my ear. WBT, Charlotte.
15: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome WBT's Bo Thompson.
16: You all
17: came. Everybody showed up. This is fantastic. This is what tonight should be a full auditorium at the historic. Central Piedmont Community College, Halton Theater. Tonight is WBT's 100th anniversary celebration. That deserves a round of applause. I am the uh, host of WBT's morning show. I have been in that seat for 10 years now. I have a brand new co-host, which I'm uh, excited to introduce you to a little bit later in the program. Beth Troutman will be up here But I want to start by saying just a few things, because we have so much to do tonight, I can't talk long. But I want to say, to start off, I want to say this. I started working at WBT when I was 16 years old. I uh, listened to the station well before that. And so you could say that I grew up listening to the station, and then they hired me for some reason, mainly because I wouldn't leave or stop knocking on the door at age 16. So then I grew up at WBT, and uh so now i can celebrate tonight 25 non-consecutive years doing something at this radio station so you could say i've been around for a while (laughs) but i want to tell you something i want to tell you something about these call letters these call letters mean a lot of things to a lot of people and there are people in this room tonight that have not been under a wbt roof in years and the idea that we could get everybody together just like this. This is what I've been, th- I've been thinking about this night for 20 years. And here's why. Here's why it's 20 years. So you go back to the year 2002, and WBT celebrated its 80th anniversary. And I was, I was a, a young buck at the time. I, I was full-time. I'd been there for three or four years. I was a production guy, so I was nowhere near a microphone yet. But the uh, you know, Rick Jackson, and, uh, and, and the powers that be decided, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll give him this job of organizing this 80th anniversary day on the air. And so I said, yes, this is perfect for me. And so I started making phone calls, and we started lining people up. And on that April 10th of 2002, in the morning, we had Al Gardner and Ty Boyd and Henry Bogan and H.A. Thompson and Doug Mays and John Hancock. And that was just the morning. And then in the afternoon, Spires and Krantz were on at that time. They had... Robert D. Rayford. Oh, Bob Rayford was in for an hour, and that was, well, I think you know what that was, I don't even have to tell you. (laughs) And then after that, we had Bob Lacey in for an hour, and then that night when Hancock was doing nights, we had Mike Collins, and we had Russell and Flynn, Don Russell and James K. Flynn, and we had John Robinson, and we had Rock and Ray that night, and uh, Wendell Black, and Henry Bogan actually called in for a change. Uh, and it was just an amazing night, and, and more names that I I, I, can't, I don't have time to go all of them right now, but the point is, at the end of that day, I sat back and I said to myself, wow, you know, we really did it. We got all these people together, um, it just was magical radio, and I'll never forget it, it's still my favorite day the whole, you know, span that I've been here. But then, about 30 seconds later, after I was kind of feeling happy about what happened, I thought, what the heck are we going to do for 100 And so I've been thinking about tonight for 20 years, dating back to the 80th anniversary. And so I can tell you tonight that this is the result of an effort of a lot of people. Some people that work here now, some people that haven't worked here in years, some people that are so tired of me calling them and asking them things, Mary June Rose would be one. But I'm going to tell you something. Tonight is first and foremost thanks to Radio 1. Radio 1 uh, purchased our company about a year and a half ago, and at the time, a lot of us who worked here, a lot of us who didn't work here, wondered what would that mean. Uh, And when the powers that be at Radio 1 asked various members of the staff, including myself, what should happen for the 100th anniversary, we told them, and here we are. And so I want to say, from the bottom of my heart and on behalf of the WBT collective community, thank you to Radio 1 for making this night possible in this beautiful room. We have three new Hall of Famers to induct tonight. Bob Lacey is one.
5: Jim Zoki is two. And
17: John Stokes is three. And so, without further ado, please welcome the Regional Vice President and Market Manager of Radio One Charlotte and Richmond, and the Centennial Year Program Director, Marsha Landis and Mike Schaefer.
18: <laughs> Good evening, and thank you so much for joining us on this very, very, very special occasion. It is so great to see so many listeners, advertisers, and WBT alumni in the room tonight. We are honored that you have chose to spend your Saturday night with us celebrating this momentous occasion. I know I can speak for all of our entire Radio One Charlotte team and our Urban One family. We are honored to be here. We are honored to be a part of WBT's rich history. And as Bo just said, And How lucky am I? I've only been here a year, and I get to be a part of the 100th, and you have no idea how that makes me feel. So thank you all for being here. Uh, WBT Charlotte, as you know, is Charlotte, and there's always been a commitment on the team, and there's a big team behind this radio station. There's always been a commitment to hire the very best local talent to deliver the most accurate live news and information that our listeners can always rely on. We always hire the very best sales team and support staff to work with our advertisers to help them create great campaigns to help their businesses grow and their dreams come true. And then, most importantly, we also have this unwavering commitment and a passion to deliver to the community and actually make a difference in the Charlotte and surrounding area. So with that, there are well over a hundred employees that work at Radio One Charlotte. And at this moment, I couldn't name all of them, and every one of you has had a part in this evening, but if our current Radio One employees could please take a stand, I know a lot of them are working behind the scenes, but if you could please take a stand. And give everybody a round of applause. And finally, um, there were a lot of people involved in putting this event together. As Bo said, it's been how many years? (laughs) And I know many, many months since I first got here, we've been talking about this night. But there are a few that I want to highlight because they really have put in that extra effort, late nights, weekends, to make this event happen tonight. And Bo Thompson, I'm, I'm (laughs) <laughs> I want to thank you Mike Schaefer I want to thank you Latoya Brody our marketing director and Katrina Wiles our office manager and executive assistant as well as the rest of our committee that you'll hear about later but thank you for being here
19: how cool is this I mean it just I'm, I'm blown away sorry the eyes are shot but at least the ears are bad too uh, my name is Mike Schaefer, I'm the program director at our station, WBT, and I promise I won't take too much time here. Any one of our past or current on-air team can tell you, nobody wants to hear from the PD. I mean, this, this isn't an air check. Um, thank you all for being here tonight to celebrate this monumentous milestone for, for WBT. This is an exciting time at WBT and as many of you know, but some of you may not. Um, The station has gotten a lot of recognition this past week, and um, all for the fact that we have endured and we are here tonight for 100 years. The city of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County have declared tomorrow, April 10th, as WBT Day. And, (laughs) And our friends at Center City Partners and the Wells Fargo Lighting Committee have agreed to light the Charlotte skyline tomorrow night in red, white, and WBT blue in honor, in honor of WBT Day and our 100th anniversary. And this past Thursday, Congressman Dan Bishop read into the congressional record in the U.S. House of Representatives a statement praising WBT for our commitment to the community. The Congressman has also agree, or, uh, arranged rather, for a U.S. flag to be flown above the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., and that flag will be presented to us soon. <laughs> None of this would be possible without the work that so many of you here tonight have put in during your time here at WBT. It is not lost on me, on us, that we are standing on the shoulders of giants tonight. Thank you. It's also not lost on me that our current team of hosts, news, and producers are all committed to carrying on the tradition of excellence that was left for us. Thank you, each and every one of you, for your dedication to WBT. We're stewards of that excellence, and we take that all to heart. And to our listeners, we keep you in mind, front of mind, in all of our programming decisions. Without you, we wouldn't have WBT. So thank you. And I wanna recognize that the word programming encompasses not just the on-air teams, but also engineering and digital and promotions and marketing. We couldn't produce the quality programming and events that we have without you all, so thank you for what you do. Finally, I want to thank Marcia and the entire Radio 1 leadership team for their support of WBT and tonight's celebration. Please enjoy yourselves tonight. You've all earned this.
15: The WBT 100th Anniversary Celebration is presented by the Center for TMJ and Sleep Apnea and brought to you in part by TR Law in Realty.
17: Thank you so much to Marcia and Mike, and we have so much to do tonight. You know, Henry Bogan, on that 80th anniversary that I mentioned, Henry Bogan had this great line. He sat in the room and he went, This is a gathering of eagles. And I play that line in promos and on the air sometimes, and I cut off the ending. But the actual entire passage said, This is a gathering of eagles. So what's Danny Fontana doing here? (laughs) Now, love you, Danny. Love you, Henry. Danny laughed louder than anybody in the room that day, and that's always one of my favorite moments. So, we've got a lot of ground to cover. WBT started on April 10th, 1922, and let's remember how it all started and where it took us along the way.
2: Today,
1: we're standing at 2632 Mecklenburg Avenue, just in front of the Charlotte Country Club entrance. Before us, the wide sweeping lawns of the country club, And out in the rear of this beautiful, stately, gracious old home is a small chicken house. At least many, many years ago, it was a chicken house. And at this very spot where I'm now standing on April 10th, 1922, WBT, the great
14: Colossus of the South, was born.
17: WBT had very simple beginnings. It started out as a hobby by three men who had been ham radio operators prior to World War I. Fred Laxton, Frank Bunker, and Earl Gluck combined forces to start an experimental wireless station in 1920. Mr. Gluck recalled the effort on a past anniversary program.
1: I had come to Charlotte right after World War I. Having been a ham before the war, I was interested in uh, getting a ham station on the air again and met Mr. Laxton and another gentleman, Mr. Bunker, in a store downtown in Charlotte where we were all interested in buying some materials to rebuild our ham station. At that time, Mr. Laxton told us of a new high-powered vacuum tube being built by General Electric and he thought he might be able to get one of them. Uh, And if he could get it, just we combine our efforts and build a, a radio telephone transmitter.
17: Thanks to his connections at General Electric, Mr. Laxton managed to get his hands on a very rare broadcasting tube. He installed it and ran some tests using a chicken coop as an antenna. The end result was the creation of Station 4XD and the Southern Radio Corporation. Upon going commercial, the station became WBT. Officially broadcasting at just 100 watts. In 1926, WBT was bought by C.C. Coddington, a Buick automotive distributor, and the station relocated to the Coddington building on Trade and Graham Streets. Coddington promoted the station using the slogan, Watch Buicks Travel. In 1929, WBT was purchased by CBS and increased to 25,000 watts. The studios moved again, this time to the Wilder Building on South Tryon Street. The North Carolina Office of Archives installed a state historical marker at the building's former site in 2013. The 1930s began the Grady Cole era.
1: Good morning. This is Grady Cole, and it's WBT Charlotte, North Carolina.
17: Has the broadcast pioneer joined WBT as a full-time announcer?
1: WBT is owned and operated by the Jefferson Standard Broadcasting Company, a subsidiary of the Jefferson Standard Life Insurance Company. WBT, with stations located in Charlotte... ...operates on a frequency of 1110 kiloseconds... ...using a power of 50,000 watts... ...by authority of the Federal Communications Commission. We begin our new day of broadcasting... ...with the recordings and transcriptions... ...here in the heart of the Carolinas... ...God's country. Let me say to you, friends, wherever you may be listening... ...wherever you live, we... ...we will grant you that's the finest place in the world to live but if you ever make a change the next best place to live is in carolina three years later wbt
17: finally became the blowtorch upping officially to fifty thousand watts 1933 was a big year as it marked the arrival of another icon charles crutchfield
1: 1933 uh, I think it was about September of 33.
17: Crutch began that summer as a young station announcer for $20 a week. He started programs like the Carolina Hayride, the Crazy Water Crystal Show, and launched the careers of the legendary Briar Hoppers. WBT presents Briar Hopper Time.
9: Wait till the sunshine.
17: 1936 he took to the air on the cbs radio network ahead of president roosevelt arriving for a re-election speech
1: the president was almost an hour late getting to charlotte on account of a heavy rain and here we were feeding the entire cbs network and it looked like i was the one holding the bag why i guess i had lived for 55 minutes straight no script no president no nothing just 30,000 rain-soaked democrats and one exhausted announcer believe me i was getting desperate but I knew it was a big broadcast for WBT, something everybody all over the country wanted to hear.
17: Crutchfield climbed the ladder, becoming program director, general manager, company president, and ultimately the first inductee into WBT's Hall of Fame in 1997. Here's Grady Cole talking about the boss. I
1: just want to say that Mr. Crutchfield (laughs) is the head man of all this thing, you see. The uh, executive vice president of the whole works, and in my case, uh, my uh, uh, title and name is on the door down there. I'm the only private in the Jefferson Standard Army. Has got greater coal on one door and private on the other.
17: <laughs> in the 1940s, WBT featured the likes of the Johnson family, the Carter family, and Arthur Smith and the Cracker Jacks. It's
1: time to go down to Arthur Smith's corner store. Talkin' down the corner floor about six times a Talking Talkin' sayin' bringin' it easy to sign our There's cows and plows and drugs and drugs and soaps and boats and cars, cigars, feeds, feeds, whacksacks, peanuts and the crackers. Down at the corner store. In
17: 1945, the Jefferson Standard Life Insurance Company bought WBT from CBS and the station's frequency moved from 1080 kilohertz to the modern-day 1110
9: position. If listening, morning, noon, or night, with CBS, you're always right. In radio to get the best, leave your dial on CBS. The CBS Radio Network.
17: By decade's end, Fred Kirby, Clyde McLean, Doug Mays, and Jim Patterson had joined the station. The 1950s saw names like Phil Agresta, Bob Bean, Gil Stamper, Charles Kuralt, Alan Newcomb, Lunas McGloan... Lee Kirby, Bob Rayford, and Pat Lee grace the airwaves of WBT.
9: Of course, WBT will be there, and maybe I will, too, with a built-in WBT microphone.
17: In April of 1955, WBT moved from the Wilder Building to its present location at 1 Julian Price Place. The 60s ushered in a new era of music and information, and a giant torch was passed in 1961.
3: And I like it very much. On WBT in Charlotte, 7.14 in the morning on The Boyd
17: Show. Chapel Hill native Ty Boyd took over for legendary morning man Grady Cole. have a
3: thought for you. Someone once said a picture is worth a thousand words. And someone else very ably answered by replying, saying, If you'll give me a baggage allowance of a thousand well-chosen words, I'll take with me the 23rd Psalm and the Lord's Prayer and a sonnet by Shakespeare and the Hippocratic Oath, the preamble to the Constitution of the United States and Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. And I wouldn't trade that for any picture in the world. Hey, that's kind of heavy, huh? 7.15 on the Boyd Show this morning. WBT, let's go to Chicago. No matter what time it is, Chicago always knows. Other
17: voices behind the mic during the Ty Boyd era included John Evans, Rich Pauley, Bill Curry, Dick Taylor, and Mike McKay. The 1970s brought about more change as WBT became a top 40 adult contemporary music-oriented station.
9: I beg your pardon. (laughs) H.A. Thompson. Woo! Roll back out the alley, baby, and drink some more wine on BT the Raiders.
17: Jay Thompson, Don Russell, Mike Ivers, Dick Durante, Truckin' Tom Miller, and Rockin' Ray Gooding made their debuts.
10: Move over, my lasses and laddies, and make way for your soul rockin' daddy. Rockin' Ray is my name, and take care of the business, my claim to fame.
17: Bob Lacey arrived in 1972, first to host a nighttime talk show, and then took over mornings for five years.
9: Have a nice morning, Jeff on
17: WBT traffic watch. Hey, it's quarter after eight with
4: Bob Lacey, rolling you to work on a Wednesday morning, 8.15, here on BT. Stand by for a special report from Dick Bennett, official correspondent at the Motor Vehicle Department, talking
17: to some really depressed people waiting in line. I'll
9: keep working.
17: WBT's first-ever Sky Show celebrated the country's bicentennial on July 4th, 1976. WBT and Carol present Sky Show 76. H.A. Thompson was the number one midday personality in America at one point in 1977.
11: 1038 at WBT, fair skies today, looking for a high of 65. Run a carbon copy on that tomorrow.
9: H.A. Thompson, for the
8: woman with the man in mind.
17: And in 1979, Henry Bogan arrived from Greensboro to launch the Hello, Henry Show.
3: This is WBT in Charlotte, North Carolina, the program called Hello, Henry. This is old Henry. Hello. Hey, Henry. Hello. First time caller. Hello, first timer.
17: (laughs) And the goose says hello to you, too. In the 1980s, WBT welcomed names like Spike
15: O'Dell. It's 23 minutes after 7 on WBT's Good Morning Show and uh, Spike at the mic here. Pete Sullivan. 20 minutes after 8 o'clock, 8.20 at WBT at
6: 59 with sunny skies, little on the hazy side. Paul Ingalls. Lots of
5: action across the state as well.
6: That's the WBT sports beat. I'm Paul Ingalls. James K. Flynn. WBT was the goal, the radio grail to be sought for.
17: I was lucky enough to find it. Mike Collins.
6: 11.10 a.m. WBT Charlotte. Depend on it.
17: And David Appleford. Well, that's what we'll be talking about, and we'll find out if it deserves to do well around 5.20 or so. In 1988, WBT became the first flagship station of the NBA Charlotte Hornets. Steve Martin and Gil McGregor were behind the mics on opening night.
3: Rebound, Doherty, but it's taken by Trupuka. Head makes goes up, it's good! There's your first basket, scored by Charlotte Hornets. History's been made. It's 12.05, and from the WBT Storm Center, I'm Scott Kilgore. Good morning. Hurricane Hugo has made landfall, is making landfall at this hour.
17: In September of 1989, Hurricane Hugo struck the Carolinas.
19: We have no power. That's right. We have no wire machines. We have no typewriters. We have no computers. Uh,
6: We have uh, no information coming into the station other than, than the telephone.
17: It was a scary time for the city of Charlotte but also a shining moment in WBT's history.
3: Number of power lines down, the trees are across the road. Even though the
17: station lost a control tower during the storm, WBT provided listeners with life-saving news and information, in most cases via battery-powered radios because of
3: massive power outages. They have received a fresh shipment of batteries of all types, but especially D batteries.
2: Several people are leaving their third-shift jobs in and around the city. Mm-hmm. Are we uh, telling people not to? That was the greatest day
13: in the 47 years that I spent on the radio.
17: Wow.
20: The,
13: the greatest day, and I'll tell you why because we save people's lives.
17: It took nearly a year to get the nighttime directional signal operating again. And longtime charlatans can still tell you where all those big oak trees used to be.
9: Cut them down. Chop them up. Chop them up. Cut them down. Cut them down. Chop them up. Chainsaw. Cut them up. Chop them down. Chop them down. Cut Cut them up. Cut them up. Chop them down. Chainsaw.
21: Chainsaw.
17: With personalities all day long who know the Carolinas and you, plus award-winning news, sports, AccuWeather, and SkyView traffic, you've come to depend on radio that makes a difference.
9: WBT Charlotte.
17: Ah, I remember that logo well. I used to have a T-shirt. I wore the heck out of that thing in high school. The kid, the kid wearing the AM radio shirt. Let me tell you how cool I was. All right, so that brings us to the year 1990, and we will continue and complete the timeline in a bit. However, it's a great place to stop because this is right about the time that my next guest joined WBT, and what a run it would be. Please welcome Charlotte's most beloved, John Hancock. John
9: Hancock.
22: How's that for a history of a radio station, huh? I've talked to several friends across the country in the last few days that work for 50,000 watt legendary radio stations. I've got a lot of friends that have worked for legendary radio stations that are no longer uh, in existence. It takes a, a passion for almost every generation that comes through a station like WVT to care. Um... There's no corporate mandate that says that you have to respect Charles Crutchfield and everybody that went before him, but we do. Uh, And we work to, most of us, many of us, we work to uphold the standards that they set to begin with. A 50,000-watt three-letter call blowtorch with a legendary history in a vibrant can-do city What more could you ask for? Whether that be a launching pad to bigger dreams for a broadcaster or, as in my case, a big dream realized. I, and I said this earlier and have said it before, I love WBT. But I love WBT because of so many of you out there that worked here and made it what it is. Uh, I said that one day to H.A. Thompson and Ty Boyd in the studio. Those are the guys that made me love BT before I even knew really exactly what it was. I just knew that we had a standard to uphold. I also want to take a few minutes here. By the way, they allowed it all the radio people here, five minutes, you better call your babysitter. You're (laughs) You're gonna be late. I also want to thank Marshall Landis and Radio One, because they were under no obligation. I mean, this is four ownerships now that we've had since Jefferson Pilot. Um, we didn't expect them to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or means, but they, they didn't have to do this. But, uh, and then the other person who's responsible for this first and foremost, more than anybody else, is Bo Thompson. Bo is the keeper of the flame. And what happens after Bo leaves, I don't know. But I doubt very seriously that I'll be anytime uh, soon. Uh, speaking of our new general manager, fairly new general manager, Marsha Landis, had a heartwarming moment in a pre-program uh, reception earlier tonight, keeping with a long-standing WBT tradition. Don Russell signed a one-day contract just so Marcia could fire him. Um, <laughs> I I, I think that's seven now, is it not, Don? When you get into broadcasting, there's not a lot of equipment that you're required to bring. You might bring your own headphones. They never tell you to bring a box. You'll need one one day, probably. You probably won't know what day that is. I heard a story about a guy within the past two years that walked out to the front desk and asked uh, the receptionist, I think it was Kathy, do you have any idea where I can find a box? I gotta get some of my stuff out of here and get it to my car. If that story is true, that guy was Bob Lacey. (laughs) 50 years at one Julian Price place. looking for a box so we can walk out by himself one last time i do find some peace and solace that bob's image will be a daily visual again in the building with his soon to be mounted wbt hall of fame plaque so welcome back bob My most sincere congratulations to my very good friends John Stokes uh, and G- and Jim Zoki. Both of those guys were here when I got here in December of 1990, uh, and I'm I- I'm so proud to share some space with you again when we get those uh, plaques mounted. I have this dream; it's kind of a visual fantasy, uh, if you will, that long after the, the demise, the final demise of AM radio, well into the future, 2025, 2030, something like that. In an old dusty closet somewhere, some worker opens the door and stuck in there behind some boxes of Spires and Krantz towelettes or llama stickers, there are some old dusty bronze squares and he pulls one out and he brushes the dust off and he's and he sees the top and it says WBT hall of fame. And I hope the first one he sees is Charlie Crutchfields and I hope they all, all those plaques someday find a treasured place in Charlotte's history collection uh, someplace safe someplace before some other owner comes in here and says, clean that closet out down there so I have a place to put my stuff. Because that's what happens to an awful lot of radio memorabilia. Let me recognize some of those uh, who joined us tonight for this historic night of uh, recognition. And if there's any way that I can get the house lights turned up for just a second, if I mention your name or I mention your family and you are able, uh, I would more than love it uh, if you stand. Um, for those of you who know what my situation is, if I can do it, you can do it. (laughs) Founder Earl Gluck, Bill Gluck, Earl's nephew, and his wife Linda are here tonight. Founder Frank Bunker and his family, Ed Kale, Frank's grandson, and his family are here tonight. He stopped me out in the reception earlier and showed me a picture of the actual microphone that they used for the very first broadcast. I've never seen a microphone like that. It looks like a, a, a metal plate. Uh, it, it, it's fascinating. Two of my favorite people in this uh, city that paid me one of the greatest honors of my entire life, I was asked years ago to MC Arthur Smith's funeral. Arthur Smith's son and his lovely wife, Clay and Charlene Smith are here tonight. One of the reasons we had to have a bigger auditorium today was for the Ty Boyd family. Uh, Pat, Ty's 39 year old beautiful widow is here tonight. I love her to death. And Tempe and Molly and Mimi, his daughters, and Robert and Elliot, his sons, and grandkids Miller, Charlie, Lindsay and Audrey. And Charles Crutchfield. Charles Crutchfield's daughter, Leslie Crutchfield Tompkins, and her friend Linda Matthews are here tonight. God, I hope you know how respected your father is. The Grady Cole family is represented by Michael Russing, Grady's grandson, and his guest. I'm I'm assuming that means that I interviewed your father on the radio one day, and I'd only heard tape of Grady. And I said to him Grady's son you sound exactly like your dad and he said let me tell you a little secret there were times when dad either couldn't make it in or he was late (laughs) those of you who know Grady might understand why that could have been and he said so I would fill in for dad until he got there and nobody ever knew and now you do. <laughs> Former Jefferson Pilot Company President Jim Babb is here tonight. And and his lovely wife as well. Jim used to still uh, have his office in there when I got here in December of 1990 and it was heartwarming he would bring the he he drive in the back entrance at uh, one Julian Place place and roll down his windows and scream, Hey, Hancock, you suck! <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, former GM's Cully Tarleton is here tonight. <laughs> Bill Jennings is here tonight. And One of our, and not just me, but an awful lot of people in this room, favorite person in the world, Rick Jackson is here tonight. I love him and I quit him once. (laughs) Former program director is Mary June Rose. Mike Collins. Bill White. All the way from Sacramento, California. I think he wins the Mile Awards, although I thought Paul Ingalls might hold that from coming in from Albuquerque tonight. Carl East is here tonight. And Jason first. Former sales manager, Lisa Gurgley. Trip Savory from Raleigh. Mike Diamikis. Carol Poteet. Tammy Lowry, and Sandra Zoki, whose husband you may meet later on. Former news directors, Russ Ford, Scott White, and Jim Barrell. Former sports directors, Paul Ingalls. And boy, do I miss this voice on the radio, Steve Martin. Our former chief engineer, Jerry Dowd is here tonight. I don't think Bob White's here tonight, but I'm thinking about him. When you saw that bent over tower from Hurricane Hugo, that about cost Bob his life one night. Former operations manager Matt Bois is here tonight. <laughs> Matt Bois was key in helping Sharon Sanders and I and, and, and Keith Larson and his ride for kids be successful. It was Matt and his uh, tremendous promotions department at the time that put all the elbow effort into that and made that possible and made an awful lot of kids happy. Uh, and, and that's what radio should be all about. And a former uh, Associated uh, and Assistant Program Director, David Eads, is here tonight. And if it were not for David Eads getting into a dumpster one day, and pulling out an awful lot of WBT memorabilia, it would have been lost for a long, long time. And I might add, he did the same thing for WBTV. Uh, He was kind of the historian of the two, uh, TV and the radio station. He does that same job for the Billy Graham Library today. Um, John Hutchinson. John Hutchinson is here tonight. And he's probably watching his phone to see what they're saying about him at the Trump rally, but the Honorable Pat McCrory is here tonight. And he's not even carrying a gun in his front belt. What's that all about? My old buddy Keith Larson is here tonight, my uh, partner in crime. Between the two of us, I think we showed what hands- on community service looks like, and we got in a lot of trouble together. <laughs> Matt Harris and Matt Ram- and Ramona Holloway, Matt and Ramona. <clears throat> Sherry Lynch is here tonight. A man who could sell water to a flood victim, David Medlock, is here tonight. Dick and Sharon England. The lady who checked most of us out at one time or another and probably some of us several times, Terry Mace. Jonathan Mooney is here tonight. One of those people who left a successful career and went on to a more successful career, Maura Quinn is here tonight. And through it all, Don Russell is here tonight. And you'll never find better friends or better supporters of a radio station than Bob and Marilyn Bowler. I don't believe Wendy Wells is here tonight. Wendy never worked for WBT that I know of, but her husband, Nathan Ritchie, worked for us for about six months. And I don't know what the digital product would have been with WBT today, but I guarantee you it would have been unbelievable. Nathan was killed in a motorcycle wreck about six to nine months after he started work at WBT. And boy, he just had digital star written all over him. He had spent his whole career to to get that position at that radio station, at those radio stations. I just wanted to acknowledge Nathan tonight. And if you'll check your watches, my five minutes are up.
20: Hey, Bill O'Reilly here. Can you believe WBT Radio has been on the air for 100 years? I'm almost that old. Um, <laughs> but I can't tell you uh, how much respect I have for the entire operation. Because it's not only 100 years that matters. It's quality over that long period of time. And so we are very, very complimented to be on WBT. BT Radio every day, Uh, and I wish uh, everybody working in that company the best. You should be very, very proud. Happy anniversary to our incredible affiliate WBT1110 on the AM dial. 100 years of incredible broadcasting to the public, and I've been there for about 90 of them.
5: Well, as you might imagine, in a hundred years, WBT has had a lot of firsts. More, well, I would take longer than John Hancock if I read them all, but a couple stood out to me. WBT was the first station in America to put a church service on the air, the very first one. And consider this. In 1939, in the midst of segregation in the South, WBT was the first station to put a black preacher on the air every Sunday talking about racial harmony. Now you might say, who was responsible for that? You've heard his name a lot tonight, and as our living history continues, say hello to Charles Crutchfield.
23: Well, you've been if, all over this tonight. Uh, now you, uh, it, if, I, if I had known yeah. that there were going to be this many people here tonight, I would have shaved. <laughs> you look good. And I, I think I look pretty good after all
5: these years. I think you do, too. You heard a lot about yourself up there. 1933, you came to BT, and that was also the same year that we went full
23: power to 50,000 watts. That's right. And, boy, we were a powerhouse. You could hear us from Miami to Maine from Canada to Cuba, and I had all sorts of ideas as to how to make the most of that airtime. Yeah, we've heard a lot about your
5: ideas now, but what I find interesting in reading about you is that the favorite story you like to tell is about a wedding.
23: That's right, that's right. Well, I think we'd like to hear it. (laughs) Well, this was no ordinary wedding. This was way back in 1934. And one Sunday afternoon, we got wind that two of America's oldest former slaves were to be married. Wow. The groom was 97, and the bride was 92 years old. (laughs) I'd say that was newsworthy. I'd like the way you think. So you went down there and did a story? Well, we did more than that. I wanted to carry the wedding live on the air. So I grabbed an engineer and some equipment... And we drove to the church in Pineville in a Model T Ford to put that wedding on the air.
5: Whoa, it took a lot of equipment to do
23: that. Yes, it did. And that wasn't our biggest problem. Oh, yeah? The biggest challenge seemed to be permission. What do you mean? It seemed that the church deacons were not altogether certain (laughs) that the Lord would be happy with a (laughs) wedding on the air. (laughs) Well, radio was still kind of a newfangled thing, right? Well, I slipped one of the deacons a couple of bucks. <laughs> and he finally agreed. But it wasn't easy. They said that I would have to climb a plum tree on the outside of the building and place a microphone in the upper window. Whoa. Well, and, well I did it, and we were on the air. How did that sound? Kind of scratchy. <laughs> to be <laughs> quite honest, but uh, kind of scratchy, but I did it, and but it, it gets better. After they said, I do, I climbed back, took the microphone out of the window. Yeah. I pulled our Model T around in front of the building, and as the happy couple came out of the building, I said, this is your wedding car. <laughs> And they jumped in, and I interviewed them live on the radio. That is awesome. Now, you have to remember, they were in their 90s. They were all smiles, but they had no teeth. (laughs) Well, I guess it's good it wasn't television. Wow, you had to work for that. And it paid off. I got to ask the groom on, on the radio. I said, what are your plans? And he said... I'm going to quit running around. I'm going to settle down and raise a big family. (laughs) Now, that is broadcast history
5: live on WBT. Wow. That is
23: remarkable. And even though those were the difficult days of segregation, I felt that WBT should be a voice for everyone. And the listeners loved it. Oh, I bet they did. Wow. Well... I want you to stick around a little bit because
5: I have some other questions to ask you. For one thing, about a famous actor you refused to hire, and a little bit about how you brought country music to Charlotte. So we will pick that up in just a few minutes. But first, here's Bo Thompson.
17: Thank you very much, Mark Garrison. I want to say something before we move on to our next part of the show. Here, I'm about to bring up uh, my group of panelists for a short conversation about this radio station. But I want to talk about this microphone right here for a moment, this beautiful WBT microphone. There are many people who cannot be in this house tonight because they are no longer with us. And if I took the time, and I wish I had it, to mention every one of them, uh, then we'd be about nine times as long as John Hancock was. (laughs) But I want to, for a moment, brief here. We don't have much silence tonight, but I want to recognize those who aren't with us tonight because we're standing on their shoulders, and um, all those voices that made the 50,000 watts what they have been, they're watching down on us tonight, I believe that. I believe they're watching down on us, and they're still speaking through this microphone. And now, please welcome the panel for tonight. Our WBT Century panel is gonna join me on the stage. First up, we have Beth Troutman, who is my brand new co-host on our brand new show called Good Morning, BT. We have a guy that you heard from just moments ago, Charlotte's most beloved, John Hancock, is gonna rejoin us for a few
1: minutes.
17: Please welcome former program director, Mary June Rose. Please welcome James K. Flynn. Sorry, this is where they told me to sit.
24: I'll get that on my way. Out.
17: And our final panelist is the son of the one and only Ty Boyd, Mr. Robert Boyd.
9: Thank you, guys. Just
17: a moment. here. Come on right over here. Robert over here, and James K. is making his way up. And, Ty, and Robert, I say he's the, the son of Ty Boyd, of course, but Robert also spent many, many years in our sales department. Uh, they called him Birdwell back in those oh, days. Old Birdwell. Yeah. And he was just a champ in the bullpen back there. Yep. And so he's one of those people that's a legend on two levels. So Robert Boyd and James K. Flynn. Remember that song? Chainsaw from the Hugo era. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. So I'm going to sit on the end, and you guys are right. sit right here. We're going to talk
21: for just a few minutes. Next to the other potted plant. Good. Well, you
17: didn't know that this Don was another, another edition of Between Two
21: Ferns, right?
17: So I want to start off here with our group, and I want to talk about why you wanted to work at WBT in the first place. Uh, all of us have our story. Uh, Robert, I'm going to start with you, because I think I have an idea how this answer might go. Yeah. Why you wanted to be at
24: one Julian Price place. Wow, what a great question. Um, why did I want to be at WBT? Well, somebody else had to do it. Um, I, I started my radio career at WCHL in Chapel Hill with a, a guy named Jim Hevner, who hired a guy, was hired by a guy named Ty Boyd. And I spent four years working with my buddy Mick Mixon here out in Chapel Hill. And it was the fall of 1993 when the Panthers were announced that they were coming to Charlotte. And I had been selling a lot of Tar Heel sports and radio and stuff in Chapel Hill, and I thought, you know what, I want to go back to where I came from. And for those of you that know, my dad was at, at CHL in Chapel Hill, and Jim Babb drove up there and, and brought him. and he and Jim became, and Mary Lou and Pat became best of friends with, with our family, and we still are today. But uh, I, f- I felt like that's where I needed to be. I really did. It's, it's probably like you. I was lucky to grow up in it. We all did. I remember as a kid, I used to think in middle school, God, Dad, why can't you just be a welder like Mr. Cloyber or, or, or you know, be normal, have a sales job or work at the bank? And then as I matured, I realized, wow, or as he would say, wow, <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I just came to love it. So it was natural. I have to thank Lisa Gurgley for bringing me from Chapel Hill. Lisa's down here, and I'm sitting with her. And, and it just I told her before I stood up, or before we sat down, I said, Lisa, you're, you're why I'm here. And obviously, Ty and my mom. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what brought me here. I knew, it was gonna, I knew they were going to have the Panthers. Man, I wanted to get my hands on that. And we did, didn't we, Medlock? That's right.
17: <laughs> well, if you listen to uh, one of the, the videos a few minutes ago, uh, James Kay, uh, there was a phrase from him that always stuck with me. And he said, you know, when I was at App State University, WBT was like the Holy Grail. That's where you wanted to be.
21: Absolutely. Uh, And a shout out to Appalachian State and WASU, the campus radio station where I got my start. (laughs) WASU is celebrating in two weeks its 50th anniversary on the air. So I'll be up there for that. So that's kind of a neat juxtaposition. But I had no idea about radio as a career going to, I, I was slated to be a Presbyterian minister. My how things change. (laughs) But found radio at App State and it was something that I was fairly good at and enjoyed. And every month a product would come into the station called Programmer's Digest. It was an LP and it featured air checks from stations all over the country. And uh, Air Check from WKAX, where I also worked. Uh, air Checks from KHJ, from uh, WLS. Uh, all of these great radio stations. And we got one from WBT, an Air Check, with H.A. Thompson and Don Russell and Bob Lacey and all of these great people from my hometown. And it was a goal. Like I said earlier, it was the grail for radio people to work at a place like WBT.
17: And then, Mary June Rose, the first ever female program director of WBT.
0: I've always been female, so I feel funny getting applause for that. <laughs> <laughs>
17: well, it's it's an important thing that i want to recognize but i work there i mean this is when i was cutting my teeth in industry and she was the program director uh she and mike collins both of them during the my first few years there and and she was the program director because she was the best person to be the program director i can guarantee you that and one of the best ones that i've ever seen and one that went on to program wgn in chicago after wbt so quite a track
0: record thank you um can i tell you why i wanted to work at wbt please I worked uh, at the station twice, so I'm going to start with the, f- the first time. The second <laughs> time is kind of obvious, but the first time, um, and I'm not going to tell the story you think. Um, it's funny, but I'm saving it for, for later, you know. Um, it was January, uh, January, July the 4th, 1977, and it was Sky Show. It was the second year. Everybody talks about the first year, but the second year, it had a rock and roll soundtrack, which was very controversial, I, I was told later. But um, I was working at WIST was my first radio job down on Elizabeth Avenue, just a couple of blocks from where we are right now. And I went to work that night so that I could watch the WBT sky show. And I stood in the middle of Elizabeth Avenue watching this amazing fireworks display. And I didn't need to have a radio because all the cars lining the entire city They all had their windows down. They were all listening to the radio station. And you could hear nothing but WBT for miles. And I realized in that moment, no one was listening to the radio station where I worked. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it was like, no, this, this, this is what I want to do. This is where I need to be. And it took me another year, but I did it. She hired me. I did not. I helped. I heard the tape. She and Mike Collins hired yes. me.
22: So you judge how good a program director she is. <laughs>
8: um,
22: I wanted to work at WBT because I'd been unemployed for eight months. That's... <laughs> and, then, and they flew me in here and they uh, made me take a drug test. <laughs> and I passed it somehow. And um, I'll tell you a little story. John Kilgo was the, program, was the general manager at the time. And Kilgo pulled me into his office, and I had just been fired from a job in Jacksonville, Florida, doing mornings with a guy, uh, for $32,500 a year. And uh, I sat down in Kilgo's office, and he said, let's talk money. And I said, okay. And he said, I'll uh, give you $40,000 a year to uh, come here and uh, do our 10 to 1 o'clock shift And my heart did backflips, 40,000 bucks a year. Um, And I looked at him and I said, I couldn't possibly come here for less than 45. (laughs) And he looked at me and he said, horse hockey, you've been unemployed for eight months. Come on, we're going to lunch at Beauregard's. And we went to lunch at Beauregard's and I've been there for the last 30 years, but I'll always be thankful for Mary June Rose here and a piece of tape. And uh, for Mike Collins saying, oh, I don't care. I've got to go do the TV. Hire whoever the
24: hell you want.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, look, I'm just super excited to be on this stage, given that I've basically only been part of the team for about a week. But I get to ask questions to legends like you, John Hancock. Of all the days that you have spent on the air, do you have a favorite at WBT? Besides this Friday when we got to work together.
22: (laughs) Well, I've always loved the get-togethers that we had when uh, Henry and uh, Ty and H.A. and uh, we'd have the anniversary shows and we'd get everybody in the studio. I used to love that. I spent uh, two hours one night in the studio with the bombardier of the Enola Gay. And that was the most fascinating. He He let me ask him any question I wanted to ask him. So that's always the one that kind of comes back to me, was the opportunity to, and that's what radio has been, was an opportunity to uh, talk to some of the people that I've been able to talk to. And they're not all famous. I mean, some of my greatest conversations have just come with, with people. Uh, I spent three different sessions, hour sessions in the studio with Grace Slicks. We, we still exchange Christmas cards. Um, you know, for a guy, my generation, grew up 60s and 70s, uh, being a friend of Grace Licks is a big deal. Uh, I asked her, the last question I ever asked her was, I said, do you have any regrets? And she said yes, that I didn't do JFK when I had the chance.
24: <laughs> JFK's not a radio station, is
22: it? That's radio. But, but th- th- those, are the, those are the things I remember.
0: Yeah. What about you, Mary June? Um, I've already warned both I'm saving my stories for the book, so I'm going to save a lot of time here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a preview. <laughs> yeah, because because I've got I've got stories, but I couldn't pick. So, so moving on. We're moving on. You, to- you're not even going to tell this? Actually, no, that's a really good thing. We're moving <laughs> on.
21: James <K>. Gay. <laughs> so same question. Same, same question. question. Oh gosh. Uh, well, there were a number of historical. Of it. I was on the air when the Challenger exploded. Oh wow. Um, course Hurricane Hugo uh, all of the the single day itself but all of the weeks that followed that but I think one of my favorite experiences was I had been at the station for two weeks and as the production director and the new guy I was the fill-in person. I filled in for Henry I filled in for anybody that went on vacation. Uh, Fill in for Henry, you get to interview some neat people. I got to interview Bob Hope one time. Uh, But my second week, uh, the program director, Andy Bickel, came to me and said, "Uh, Marty Lambert is going on vacation. Marty was Jeff Pilot. (laughs) You need to be at the airport at 5.30 (laughs) a.m. So, Okay. So we're up in this little Piper Cherokee, 2,000 feet, doing the traffic. First couple of days are fine. Third day, the pilot's name's Jake Callow. Wonderful young man from, from Jamaica, Jake was. And he's flying the plane, man. And just finished a report. And Jake says, man, I got to get something out at the back. He goes into the back of the airplane. I know enough that if you do this, you go down. If you do this, you go back up. So after about 30, 45 seconds of up, down, up, down, Jay comes back and takes over. You did fine, man. And that was a pretty neat day.
1: So.
17: I have one last question for the guy beside me to wrap this up here. And yep. I think it's an appropriate question. What would your father think about tonight and what do you think he'd be saying as he, if he could look out at this crowd
24: and mm. uh, talk about 100 years? Okay. <laughs> What's the over-under on me crying? <laughs> My kids driving over here, Miller, Charlie, Lindsay, and Audrey, who are all here, and Kate. Thanks, James, Kate. <laughs> I, I got some. Um, <laughs> They, they literally said in the car, what's the over-under on dad crying tonight when he's on the stage? <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, I have, you know, what would Ty say? Dad was never about dad. Dad was always about who? Why Y-O-U. He, he didn't, he loved the fame and everything that brought, but he really enjoyed people. And I think, and I tell Kate this today, meeting people is the fuel to my soul. And I, I think that's the way he was. Um, what would he say? I, my dad always said things in twos and threes. He'd say something like, wow, wow, wow. Look at all those people out there. Isn't this is great? So what would dad say? He'd just say, y'all have fun and don't, don't, you know, don't shed tears over me. Just celebrate. Um, I think mom, Molly, I think he'd be proud. Tempe, Mimi, Elliot, I think pretty proud. So.
17: Well, <laughs>
8: what was the <laughs> I did all right.
17: No, you did. You did great, and I, I'm proud, and I know Beth is too, to be on a stage with uh, voices and names like these, and so many of you out in the crowd tonight. Uh, thank you for being there. I hope that uh, in the modern era of WBT going forward, that you'll check out our new morning show, which we literally started last week, <laughs> and you we're very excited know.
10: about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
17: and and here's how much. Here's how much trust and faith I have in Beth. Uh, three days in, I took a day off to go to the Masters.
0: He took two days <laughs> off. And I
17: said, there are very few things that I would do three days in, but uh, i got to go do that. So uh, she is with us now, and so the two of us, right on the, the ends of just incredible legends in between, thank you all for being here, and uh, happy birthday, WBT. Thank you, Thank you, thank you guys. And I will turn it back over one more time now to the the man that many of us say is the modern day Charles Kuralt of this radio station. That's what he is to
5: me, Mark Garrison. Thank you, Bo. I love that. That's really what WBT is all about, telling stories of all type. That's why we decided with our living history to bring back Mr. Charles Crutchfield for a few minutes. He was
23: the innovator of so much that has happened through the years here. Innovator. I like the sound of that. And if Jim Babb is here tonight, he knows that's true. He's out there. There are a number of people who know all about you, Mr. Crutchfield, but there is something I would like to bring up. Um, Oh, brother, you would have to bring up (laughs) the Andy Griffith affair.
5: Yeah, this might go down as, well, one of your poorer decisions. (laughs) Uh, Why don't you tell us
23: about it? All right. Since you mentioned it. Yeah. Andy came to see me in about 1953. He was 24 years old. Mm -hmm. He was a big, good-looking kid, and he, he could really sing... And he had a, a larger-than-life personality. Well, what did he want to do at WBT? Now, I think he, he wanted to be an announcer, but I think what he really wanted was to go to Broadway. He was just full of ambition. So why didn't you hire him? Because he wanted $75 a week. <laughs> <laughs> and that was too much? You're darn right. Now, that would, in today's dollars, that would be about like 1000 bucks, And I just couldn't take a chance on a kid... Not for that kind of money. Well, that kid went on to do pretty well. I'll say. <laughs> Without you. <laughs> with, 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 within a few months, he recorded his now famous monologue, What It Was, Was Football. Oh, yeah. And within, within a couple of years, he was on Broadway. So maybe you get credit for pushing him onto Broadway a little quicker. I like the way you think. <laughs>
5: Now, let's look at one of your success stories. Getting ready to perform over here in uh, just a few minutes is a, a country band that you had everything to do with starting. How
24: did that happen?
23: Oh, well, there was a drug company in town called Consolidated Drug Trade. Have you ever heard of Radio Girl Perfume? No. How about Color Black Hair Dye? No, can't say as I have. All right. Well, there was this company, Consolidated Drug Trade. Yeah. And they made perfumes and hair dyes, and they, and even laxatives, and they liked to sell their products on radio shows that featured what they called a hillbilly band. Ah, uh, I think I'm starting to see a money angle here. Yes. And one day, Consolidated Drug Company called me, and they said, Do you have... A hillbilly band. Ah. Well, I didn't have a band. But of course I said, we sure do. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as I got off the phone, yeah. I knew that I would have to find me a band. So what did you do? Well, there was a fellow on staff who played the violin yeah. and he could sing. And so I got off the phone. I walked out of my office into the hall and said, hey, John, get me a hillbilly band pronto. <laughs> And he did, and and he did, and we and I in, I called the group the Briar Hoppers. So you named them. Yes. What, where did you come up with that name? I don't know. Just something that popped into my head. I <laughs> I expect I just saw a rabbit jump over a briar. So did you make some money on the Briar Hoppers? Oh yes, <laughs> I was the announcer, uh-huh. and I would do hair dye ads on the radio, and yeah. I would tell listeners, don't go around. Losing your job because your hair's turning gray. Douse on some color black and the gray will be gone before you can say Briarhopper.
5: That sounds like some of the stuff we advertise today.
23: Well, we, we didn't have anyone going around uh, selling uh, ED medicines back then. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good but point. Yeah. through the years, we have, we, we have pitched a number of remedies as we still are. Well, why don't you introduce to us the band that you created? I'd love to. Ladies and gentlemen, the Briarhoppers.
24: Y'all know what it is? No. Well, you kind of messed up, but it's Briar Hopper time. <laughs>
17: So, another big hand for the Briar Hoppers. But before you guys walk off, y'all thought we were doing uh, just three Hall of Fame announcements tonight. I, I tucked something underneath the, uh, the podium here that I want to show you all. And it happens to say North Carolina Music Hall of Fame 2020 inductees, these Briar Hoppers right here. I want to thank John and Eric Svensson and the one and only Tom Warlick for being here tonight, providing our musical entertainment. WBT Hall of Famers in their own right, the Briar Hoppers are on that wall. So thank you guys for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you. So we have this plaque, and there are three more backstage that I just saw as I walked past. I want to uh, direct your attention to the screen here in a moment because we've talked a lot about some WBT local legendary voices tonight. You can't tell the WBT story without talking about one of the, it is the, most successful American talk show in history. And that, of course, started on WBT back in 1991. We lost Rush Limbaugh last year, but we have somebody on our staff now that worked for Rush Limbaugh and he is now our Afternoon Drive 3 to 6 host. Please welcome Brett Winterbull. Hello
13: Charlotte, it's Bo Nervly.
1: Congratulations to WBT on your 100th birthday. What a very special night. You know, all of us at the EIB Network knew how important the Queen City and WBT was to us. Not just the network, but to our success. Here's to 100 more on WBT. And now, my good friend and colleague for many of those years, Brett Wintermore.
10: James Golden is one of the greatest people I've ever gotten to work with. He is a, uh, he's an amazing talent and... He was with Rush for so many years that you really sort of thought of him as Rush's brain in, in many ways, right? I mean, Rush was a genius, but James was there with him constantly, and uh, it's a remarkable thing. Thank you, James. Uh, good evening. And I want to offer a, a very special thank you out to the folks who have gathered here today with us. I want to thank the advertisers who are here today, the sponsors, the listeners, and our friends. I've I've made so many new friends since I've gotten here, and it's been a remarkable journey. And of course, uh, I I owe all the success I've had to my wife, Sherry, who's here in the audience with us as well tonight. Uh, Thank you to Marsha and Mike. It's it's remarkable to be here uh, coming in after, uh, well, 2020. I came in in February of 2020 and got about uh, two weeks in, three weeks in, and we all know what happened next. And it was a remarkable turn. And it was not anything I ever envisioned. I envisioned the sort of regular stuff that you do when you're a talk show host, taking phone calls, talking about the news of the day. And the news of the day was suddenly right here in Charlotte. And we banded together, which was remarkable. And we'll we'll talk more about that at some other point. But the the way the station came together and and embraced me as a newcomer. And I understood that I was standing on the, 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 the shoulders of giants. It was obvious. And it was just such a remarkable thing. It's an honor to be here on the 100th anniversary. And I know all of you in this room, you remember your first time. You remember your first time? The first time you heard Rush Limbaugh on the radio. Rush Limbaugh was a special talent, he was a special man. He was a gifted communicator and a a, a prince when it came to supporting charities and, and good events. He was born in 1951 to a family of lawyers, and God bless him, he decided he wanted to be a broadcaster. There are a lot of people in this room that had that same conversation with their families. They said, I don't want to be an accountant. I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to do radio. I want to be in this path. Doing it means excitement and nervousness. Now, I want you to think back for a quick moment 1985 Rush Limbaugh has been fired five times. Rush Limbaugh goes to Sacramento, California and you know he does what he does. He creates content and he connects to the audience in a way that you could never even imagine. He had a passion for this art that we get to create. He was never discouraged and I don't think he ever had a doubt. I started working with Rush Limbaugh in 1995 and a shout out to the sales department because that's where I started in traffic and sales. That's where I was originally, and I I got to know the people on the programming side, and I said, God, I want to do this. I want to be on this side of the programming side. Well, we had a number of uh, changes take place on the show. There was somebody who went out on maternity leave and decided she wanted to be a full-time mom, and they had an opening, and they called me. At that time, I was in L.A., and I joined as a screener. I was a Snurdly. I was Mr. Winterbull. And I got yelled at a few times on the air, but it was about Rush, and it was about doing that show. He had gotten huge attention in Sacramento. And it's interesting when you think about Rush Limbaugh, you think about him now, or then. When he went to Sacramento, he was 33 years old. By the time he gets syndicated in New York City, he's 37 years old. And he revitalizes our medium. He takes our medium to a whole new place redefines what syndication can be. And what does he do? Clears 650 affiliates. He's dominant. He's right alongside Paul Harvey. It's an incredible thing to consider. Paul Harvey started in 1951. Rush was born in 1951. Rush Limbaugh was in his 30s when he had his biggest successes. And one of the things that was so incredible about working with Rush was he loved what he was doing. Never heard him complain about the show. Never. And he loved creating controversy. The Time Magazine cover is Rush Limbaugh Good for America with the smoke coming out of his, out of his, you know, looking like the devil. And he thought it was hilarious. He, he, was, he was amazed that people would get so upset because you're espousing conservative political values. He was actually shocked by it. He said, listen, I'm talking to the people in the middle of this country, and in the South, and in the West, and in the Northeast, who understand that America is a gifted place, it's an amazing place, it's an inspirational place, and he lived those values. One of the things that struck me as I sat there with him through some really dark moments, uh, we as a team were there when he went deaf. Think back to Rush Limbaugh in his best years. Then think about him being deaf and having to plug into a console to be able to continue to broadcast. James and I were talking uh, about a month ago and he reminded me that Rush was deaf longer than he heard when he was in syndication. And he was still number one. He loved what he did. We all love what we do. I understand the passion when I sit here At WBT I I get it I understand it and I feel it and the reality is there is no more special place than WBT radio period I grew up in West Texas listening to the skip stations that would come in from San Antonio and Denver probably heard John Hancock and and over into uh, into the West Coast but it was those three letter stations that were always the most special and WBT was always the most special WBT, the three-letter station, EIB, the three-letter brand, and it lives eternally through this medium. One thing that I have always been struck by is the ability to connect with people that you never meet. And being in this auditorium tonight and visiting with so many amazing listeners and the great people who came before us, the idea that... I get to work with you, and I get to speak with you, and I get to take your phone calls. And this team that we have assembled at WBT is something incredibly special. We should all be proud of what we did. And I guarantee you that Rush Limbaugh looks down with a great deal of joy and happiness, and he looks at the three-letter stations around this country, and at WBT in particular, and he says, job well done. God bless this station. God bless each and every one of you. And let's get on with the show. Thank you.
6: Black holding high goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan jumper from out on the left. Good. 63-62. 13-12, 11. Georgetown with one timeout. Red Brown, looking our oh, way to worthy, worthy five. The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship.
14: Heels forces up a three. No rebound. Davis. Two seconds. One second. Ding dong. Duke is done. Carolina
9: is going to go to the national championship. Duke season is over. And they retire Mike Krzyzewski. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than
17: that. Please welcome to the stage senior pastor at Moments of Hope Church and host of the David Chadwick Show on WBT on Sunday mornings, the Reverend David Chadwick. And former player and head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels and current WBT contributor, Matt Doherty.
12: my life has been greatly blessed. Uh, to have a relationship with my Lord who daily gives me hope, that's the most important thing, a wonderful relationship with a beautiful wife of now almost 44 years my Maryland, and we just learned this week three children and nine grandchildren. Fairly cool. We love that a lot. But one of the greatest blessings I've ever had happened when we came in 1980, in the late 1990s, getting a phone call from Randall bloomquist Some of you remember him? The station manager of WBT Radio. Uh, He'd put out a notice among the staff of WBT asking if there was any local personality who might have a perspective on faith and values. Well, sales superstar David Medlock responded and said, well, my pastor has a broadcasting degree from the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. So I got contacted by Randall Bloomquist to come in for a tryout two Saturdays in a row from two o'clock to four o'clock. Graveyard time, then for sure. I came in and had a stack of material that I had prepared to make sure I wouldn't run out of time. Both weeks, I was able to generate some phone calls, much to the surprise of myself and the board op, who happened to be a young, very pushy kid coming out of high school by the name of Bo Thompson, (laughs) who has developed a very close friendship with me over the last 20-plus years. So after those two weekend tryouts, WBT offered me a weekend gig doing an hour show on faith and values. I enjoyed doing it for several years, and then something extraordinary happened. On September the 11th, 2001, airplanes were driven into the Twin Towers in New York City, and Al Gardner, the Charlotte Morning News personality, and Stacy Sims, his Beth Troutman partner then, called me and said, would you please get down to the station quickly? I said, sure, what do you want me to do? They said, just go on air and help us understand what's going on. So for a month, I went on air every morning from 8 to 12 with Alan Stacy and fielded calls, trying to help people understand everything that was going on and mostly just to give hope. At the end of that month, Randall Bloomquist called me and said, would you do every morning, one minute, a moment of hope, which would be aired during the Charlotte Morning News. (laughs) time period. So starting in October of 2001, I have for now 20 plus years done every morning, now on Bosch program as well, a moment of hope to start out the day to give people hope because that's what I want my life to continue to do. So for 25 years now, I have been a weekend warrior on WBT and had the privilege of doing a weekend show trying to intersect faith and values with contemporary issues that are local and global. And I'd love to say that uh, I am the first real faith person that WBT's ever had, but that's just not true, as you've already heard. They had a minister on early on, one of the first radio stations ever to do that, a black preacher to try to heal racial reconciliation back in the 1930s. And you may not know this, but Billy Graham, used to refer to WBT as a part of his early morning experience. Listen to this clip from Dr. Graham, who's describing his days, early morning, milking cows.
20: My father had read somewhere that cows gave more milk if they listened
22: to music. And so, every morning we would start milking about three o'clock or 3.30. My mother always had breakfast at 5.30. In the morning, ready for us. And I remember we would listen to WBT. I think that was the only station on the air in those days, and it had just barely gotten on. And I remember the Briar Harpers and Charlie Crutchfield. We would milk those cows to the music that came.
12: I had the privilege of meeting Dr. Graham back in the early 1980s. I had just started out as a minister at another church uh, before I'm now at the present church, Moments of Hope Church, stealing that brand from WBT. And I had never met Dr. Graham before. I was at a fundraiser for a local charity, and Dr. Graham was speaking at it. But I was sitting next to him, and my wife was on the other side. And right in the middle of the meal, he turned to me and said, David, I've heard some wonderful things about your ministry. Now, folks, what do you do when you're young, starting out, and one of the greats in your particular area of expertise is complimenting you? So I paused for a moment, got embarrassed, flushed, uh, fumbled a bit with my words, and I said, um, well, uh, 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 well, well, Dr. Graham, uh, I've heard some wonderful things about your ministry, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Marilyn Blanche, that's the only time I think she's ever considered divorce, but... Uh, <laughs> I stand on the shoulders of Dr. Graham, for WBT aired him, folks, from 1950 for several decades on what's called the Hour of Decision. I'm just one that has been able to continue WBT's commitment to faith and values. And I feel honored, especially today, thinking about Keith Larson and John Hancock and others who've used WBT's microphone particularly to raise money for kids. I don't know how much All of you, Keith and John and others, have been able to raise with your microphone endeavors. But I calculated in my brain the other day that in my 25 years at WBT, we've been able to raise around $2 million to feed and care for kids in this community through the years. And I think that's something to be applauded for. Bo, I hope we continue. Over the last two years, we've raised $500,000 to feed hungry kids around Christmas. And finally, the other great memory I have tonight to think of my blessings in life is the fact that back in the late 1960s, a man from Chapel Hill came into my home and offered me a basketball scholarship to play at the University of North Carolina. Looking back, I still can't believe that happened. I had the privilege of playing for Coach Dean Smith and one particular team I played on my senior year Uh, We won the NIT championship, we failed to get to the tournament, but then the NIT was still very prestigious. Coach Smith was sitting around after the game and one of my teammates, Kim Uban, went up to him and said, Coach, are you okay? And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I am. He said, it's just the first season ever in the history of my coaching that we've ended the season with a win. Until 11 years later, when in 1982 Coach Smith finally broke through and won the NCAA championship, headed by a wonderful man by the name of Matt Doherty, who's with us this evening. Matt.
13: Thank you very much, it's an honor to be here. Uh, I'd like to turn your attention to the screen for a message from Roy Williams.
25: 100 years of broadcast excellence for WBT, that's outstanding. Congratulations to everyone at WBT, past and present, for a century of programming to not just Charlotte, but the Southeast and up and down the East Coast. WBT continues to be an important broadcast partner with Carolina basketball. Coach Smith understood the impact WBT had. It made it easier, especially before the growth of cable television, to go into prospects' homes in New York, Pennsylvania, Florida, and everywhere in between when you could tell parents they could listen to their sons play for the Tar Heels by dialing up those 50,000 watts on WBT. Again, congratulations WBT on 100 years of excellence and here's wishing for many more to follow. I will even add that Roy Williams in the car many times over the last 43 years, trying to find WBT to see if I could see how the Tar Heels were doing in football, baseball, anything whatsoever. I knew WBT could help me pass the miles. Thank you very much, and congratulations. Well, I, like David,
13: was recruited by Dean Smith, and Dean Smith came into my home in the September of 1979 and said to my parents that they could listen to their son play for the Tar Heels on WBT from East Meadow, New York. Little did I know that I would choose to go to play there In that very next winter my family and friends in East Meadow, New York would go out to their cars at 7 o'clock at night in the middle of the winter, start the cars so they can listen to Woody Durham on WBT to hear their son and their friend playing for the Tar Heels. It's amazing the power of radio. And now for me to be up here as part of the WBT family is pretty cool. So thank you for welcoming me. Thank you for me being allowed to be a part of WBT. And thank you for touching so many people, even those people in East Meadow, New York. Thank you very much.
12: And in case you don't know, you can hear Matt on Brett Winnerville's program very regularly. I think he's on Thursday afternoons practically every week. And folks, Coach Smith used that same line with my parents in Orlando, Florida, (laughs) 10 years earlier. Let me end with this. Dear friends, if the sun comes up in the morning, there's always hope. God bless
13: you all. On behalf of Hornet Sports and Entertainment, I'd like to congratulate WBT Radio, on its 100th anniversary of broadcasting. We have been proud partners with WBT Radio through the years, starting in our inaugural season when WBT was the Hornets' original flagship station. We're thrilled to have WBT remain a part of our Hornets family as a sister station of WFNZ, the current home of Hornets basketball. Thank you to your entire team for making WBT Radio the news and information source in Charlotte. Congrats again on your 100th anniversary.
25: This is Lamella Ball of the Charlotte Hornets. Congratulations to WBT Radio for 100 years of broadcasting.
13: This is P.J. Washington of the Charlotte Hornets. Congrats to WBT Radio on your 100th anniversary.
17: So we've talked about the Tar Heels. We've talked about the Hornets. Who are we missing? Hold that thought. We'll get back to that in a moment. I want to thank our presenting sponsor tonight again, the Center for TMJ and Sleep Apnea, uh, one of the sponsors that has really made it possible for us to be here tonight. So thank you again. And uh, I want to bring out a guy right now who is, might be the most popular guy here. If you watched him sort of you know, work the room upstairs before this event... I mean, this guy, and I don't, and everybody, everybody who worked with him knows why. But Rick Jackson, Rick Jackson is one of our legendary general managers, and Rick Jackson is going to come out with me right now to do to kind of segue into the next part of the show because this is the guy. If you don't know it, he created the WBT Hall of Fame. This was Rick's idea, and so tonight, as we're about to add three more names to the list, let's bring one of our greatest general managers of all out to the center stage. So I, I had Rick back into the studio about six months ago, and I've been working on a, a podcast series that I hope some of you have checked out. It's called The, uh, the Century Podcast. And it was, it was born in order to kind of ramp us up to where we are tonight, to sit down with some of the legends of this radio station and really get these stories and dive a little bit deeper than we had, you know, on traditional anniversaries. And I feel like we've done that, and one of my guests recently was Rick Jackson. And when Rick walked in that day... Rick walked to the back room and he had not seen where he, we had moved the, the, the Hall of Fame plaques to a different location. It's out in front of actually the general manager's suite, actually right outside of where your office used to be. But I, I, I went out of the room for a second and then when I walked back in, I saw Rick and Rick was standing just over here and I snapped a picture and it was Rick looking at the wall that Rick created. Rick created the WBT Hall of Fame. It was his idea. And so before we begin the next phase of tonight to uh, introduce our next three inductees, I wanted Rick to talk for a moment about creating that and what it meant to be the GM of this storied radio station for the years that you
2: were here. Uh, Well, I I certainly didn't create it, that's for sure. The the people that you've seen on the screen tonight, the people in this audience um, that you've met tonight, they, they created that. And, you know, I really thought it should have been done in the 50th anniversary. It was um, kind of a a no-brainer, to be honest with you, to create that. It was a 75th anniversary, but there was one primary reason why we did it that year. Not only that it was our 75th anniversary, but um, Charles Crutchfield was getting older. And I knew that Charles was going to be the first person to go in. he created this product and created Jefferson Pilot Communications Company him and Jim bad back there. I can see that white hair walking just about anywhere. And so I thought, let's get this done before we lose Charles Quetchfield. And I was so fortunate to get to know him um, and get to hear his stories and to be in his presence. And when you're in Charles Quetchfield's presence, boy, you know it. That man was powerful. He was dapper. He was charismatic. He was the best speaker I ever heard. And he was so many different things for him. WBT, um, that we needed to get that done. So that's why we did it, Um, and we did it for the people that are up there who so richly deserve that, including the three people that we're inducting tonight. Um, I got a call from Clark Brown in 1992 to tell me that I was going to be offered the position of general manager of WBT, and uh, after I hung up the phone, I literally fell to my knees and I just just bawled like a schoolboy. It was... A transformative moment for me and probably, the well, it was the most um, satisfying and exciting moment of my life to take the reins of this radio station for 17 years. And the people that I met there and learned from and worked with, many of them are here tonight and I got to tell you, it's just been so wonderful to see you again and if I haven't seen you yet tonight, I hope you'll hang out here afterwards and give me a chance to say thank you. Um, and tell you that I love you. And that probably sounds overstated, but it's really not, because in this, in a a station like we have, with a news talk station, you just have to put your heart on the table. And we did, and you did. And you did with me, and I did for you, and you did for me, and we worked together, and we created some amazing things during those years. And to see you again here tonight has just, um, well, I think I'm gonna come back. (laughs) But I'm not sure Marcia would like that too much. But I know Marcia's got to work it out for her. Marcia, I wish you the uh, the best of luck, Um, and I hope that you have as much fun with your position as I did, and I hope you fall in love with your people like I have uh, over all of those years that I was there. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience, and I loved it so much. And during that time, we were so blessed to have In morning drive and afternoon drive, the two best morning and afternoon anchors I've ever heard in radio, I mean literally anywhere. Um, They were so good at what they did. They had integrity, they had balance, they were old school journalists, and I say that with uh, a lot of pride, and, and hopefully that will mean something to new journalists out there, that these two represent the best that journalism has to offer. I never worried about a thing that was going on in that newsroom when Jim Barrell was on in the afternoon. Um, Pete Callender, one of the best investigative reporters I've ever known. If I wanted to know what was going on in Charlotte, I made a beeline to Pete's office, uh, which was pretty much just about everywhere in Charlotte, because he was never there covering something. And John Stokes is, without question, the best morning news person in this country. I really believe that sincerely, and richly deserving. And so, without further
17: ado, let's begin with Hall of Fame inductee number one. On September 28, 1987, a new voice debuted on WBT a voice that would come to define Charlotte Radio News for three decades.
3: The air raid siren sounding last night in Baghdad as Uncle Sam opens fire on Saddam. You're listening to live coverage of the NFL franchise announcement from Chicago where uh, the Carolina Panthers have been named... The NFL's newest expansion team. Live coverage here on News Radio 1110 WBT. John Stokes arrived from Tampa, Florida, where he had been news director for WFLA,
17: and now he'd take over a six-man news operation in the Queen City.
3: Baker was not in the courtroom this morning on the advice of his psychiatrist, Dr. Basil Jackson of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He told Judge Robert Potter Baker was laying on the floor this morning, hiding his head. Baker hallucinated yesterday upon leaving the courtroom saying the people outside look like animals, ready to attack him.
17: The then 32-year-old Stokes would spend the next 32 years as the anchor of the WBT morning newsroom.
26: got to be fire. Let's go. huh? Russell and Flynn are learning Shot firsthand about WBT radio news with John Stokes.
6: Boy, is he fast! Fast
26: while the news is still hot.
19: hot. At 22 after 7 o'clock here at WBT. News Sports and headed your way here at the bottom of the hour. John Stokes is here with the headlines.
3: Well, coming up at 7.30, another whopper of a bank deal in the works. Another casualty from that Alaska oil spill. And the folks at Walt Disney say it was dopey and they're grumpy. With the details at 7.30 on WBT.
9: <laughs> Thank you, John.
16: Great
27: line. I love it. 7.32, Operation Stormwatch continues. We go to the news desk in John Stokes.
3: It's a good morning to stay under the covers, or at the very least, undercover. As a line of strong storms moves through, the heaviest of the weather right now is in York, Chester, and Mecklenburg, and Western Union County.
17: As our team coverage of Patrick Cannon's arrest and resignation continues on News Talk 1110 WBT, live to the 24-7 News Center, here's John Stokes. In a
3: dive expected next week against Patrick Cannon, the now former Charlotte mayor could be looking at decades in prison for allegedly taking bribes. W-
17: the names on the WBT Morning Marquee have changed many times since 1987. Mike Collins, Russell and Flynn, Russell and Friends, Russell and Maura Quinn, John Robinson, Al Gardner, Danny Fontana, Stacey Sims, and yours truly, Bo Thompson, not to mention dozens of fellow anchors and reporters. But the one constant during all those years has been John Stokes. Brad Schultz was a longtime colleague of John's in the WBT newsroom in the 80s and 90s.
16: I cannot remember but only a few who have been as concise, as good a writing, and as good a delivery as
17: John said. Al Gardner was the morning man here for almost 15 years and worked with John at both WFLA and WBT. You talk
27: about word economy. You talk about just being able to do everything right. You know, how to sound authoritative by being natural, how to get into sound, how to get out of sound, how to hold the listener, how to select stories, you know, how to make sure that the listener gets what he or she wants, but also what you know will flavor their day something funny to say or you know however that balance happens there's no one better and there never will, will be anyone better than john stokes
3: surgical strike tried to take out the iraqi leadership though there's no word this morning how successful it was president bush gets- so
17: two nights ago john received a plaque at our company party uh, for the golden microphone award and that is a plaque that you're able to take with you mm-hmm. all right So John is sitting in front of me right now. He will get another plaque soon, but you can't take this one with you. We get to keep this one. That's not fair. Oh, yes, it is. Okay. Because everybody in the hall is nodding on this one. And there's a space on the wall down the hall where this is going to go. But on the final day of his 41-year career and 32 of the O's here at WBT... I am honored and thrilled to announce that the 12th inductee into the WBT Hall of Fame will be John
3: Stokes. Thank you, Paul. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
20: I'm Jim, uh, this is Pete. Howdy. <laughs> and uh, I gotta say, just to quote Matt Doherty, it, it is pretty cool to have worked at WBT for uh, as long as I did around uh, as many people as I've seen here tonight and many more. But it's especially a privilege to be here this evening to be able to see John Stokes, uh, with whom I worked for three decades, receive the professional recognition of his outstanding career with WBT that this award conveys. And it's also an honor to be able to speak on behalf of John's Hall of Fame nomination, especially in light of the still unproven allegations that he used steroids and that he bet on baseball. Um, Oh wait, these are the notes for Jim Zoki's Hall of Fame awards. Sorry, But seriously, it's wonderful to be back here with another longtime colleague who both John and I worked with in the WBT newsroom and who's now back on WBT in the 12 to 3 slot, Pete Callaner.
28: Yeah, thank you. Hancock, thank you. Hancock isn't the only one who was on a WBT timeout, although mine lasted like nine years, which is about as long as one of his live reads, I think. But um, no, honestly, it's it's amazing that I get to be here, and and I'm humbled to be here with Jim and all of these legends of uh, WBT, uh, when I keep thinking back when they named the studio for him and uh, heard Ty Boyd say that he felt like an imposter at the honor. And I keep hearing that, the w- what he said and the way he said it, and I can't fathom that I get to be here right now uh, at this moment back at WBT with all these people who taught me literally everything I know about radio.
20: Like, uh, time yes, uh, like time out?
28: Yes, like timeout. But also, more importantly, uh, timing. Timing, very important. Timing is very important. Yeah, yeah. Every,
20: everyone on radio knows the importance of timing, making sure the elements of the show or the newscast fit inside the window of time that we have. And nobody did it better than John Stokes. Every day, every hour, for an incredible thirty years, Stokes uh, crafted his newscast to jam as much information into as few words as possible, spoken in such a crisp, clear delivery that could have landed him as it was said earlier
28: in any major market in America. John was so good and so consistent that there was a rumor in the newsroom among the reporters that he was a machine, like actually a machine there was like we had charts and stuff that we drew up um, but i I knew like if He hit the door every single day. Like, you could set your watch by when he walked into the newsroom. 2.42 a.m. I knew I was too late. I was staying too late from a city council meeting, cutting up audio tape if Stokes came in. And I knew, oh, 2.42, here's John. And he would do one of these, you know, look at his watch. What are you doing here so late? And he'd say, like, go home, kid. And then he would get to work, and he would write his newscast, do his shift, turn it over to Jim for the afternoon duty.
20: And John was so efficient that uh, sometimes when I come in, a little late. Uh, I knew that his stories were so well-crafted that I could grab one of his scripts from uh, the previous hour. And I knew, I knew he'd sweated out the words already, so I had a ready-made story oftentimes. And uh, thanks, John.
28: Yeah, I can attest to that. So I actually talked to one of our old uh, colleagues, our former colleagues, uh, Bill Trufiro. Uh He was a morning reporter in the early 2000s. And uh, when he got to BT, uh, he told me, he said he really couldn't get a read on John. Uh, he described, him, I a mean, so many words on air, so few in the newsroom, to Bill. And Bill said uh, that he he tried to impress John. He came from Georgia. Nowheresville, he said. He called himself a subpar reporter and an even worse anchor. Uh, but he thought he was God's gift to broadcasting. That did not seem to impress John very much. Um, and but so
20: Earning an attaboy... Yeah uh, from John would, would mean the world to him.
28: And, uh, he studied John. He said he studied his delivery, his writing, his preparation, and, uh, said he, I wanted to get better. And while he did get better, people thought he got better because he was following their advice, but he was studying John, seeking John's approval and recognition just to earn his respect.
20: And, and did he? We'll find out right after traffic and weather together here. It's That's a right.
28: <laughs> no, no, no. Kidding. So before he left uh, WBT went to Big Market Atlanta, uh, Bill Jaffiro got an award from the company, and on the way out of the conference room, he feels a hand on his shoulder, turns and he looks, and it's John Stokes who says, I voted for you. Congratulations. And Bill said that was better than any award he could ever have asked for.
20: And Bill blames uh, those five words and John Stokes for why he spent another 20 years in radio. radio, Uh, So for all of his work and dedication and the lives ruined with a simple compliment, uh, we are honored to recognize John Stokes and his induction into the WBT Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Congratulations, John. John.
26: It almost looks real. <laughs> you did an excellent job there. I'm I'm still in a state of shock, and I've, you know, the, known this has been coming for many months now, and it's still hard to believe that it's that it's actually real, that it's actually happening to me. Thank you all for being here tonight. Um, it's it's an amazing amazing event. I'd also like to thank, especially the. Members of my family are here. I have five siblings who are here, and they've come from Nebraska, Kansas, and Iowa, to be here tonight. It it means the world to me, even though earlier today we had a brunch at our house, and it was chaos. (laughs) But it was the most splendid chaos, the kind I'd like to have more often. It's very special. And, of course, it was orchestrated by my wife of 43 years, Diane, who was with an an amazing woman. And um, she, well, I think she completes me. Has that been said before? Yeah. (laughs) And my children are here and their families. It's an amazing night. So thank you very much. Destiny. For me, that's what tonight's all about, not that I was destined to be standing here in front of this wonderful group, being honored in such a wonderful way. The destiny I'm talking about is that I was at WBT at all. Looking back, I guess it was meant to be. In high school for a time, I thought that I wanted to be an architect, and not like the Seinfeld guy where he pretended to be architect. I wanted to be one. Then came Watergate. I became enamored with the story, devour the nightly news reports. And then a light went on and the light said, hey, that's what you should do. And I said, that's what I want to do. Short time later, I'm a journalism major at the University of Nebraska. Along the way, I toyed with the idea of TV news or sports casting. Radio, Radio stuck. I was too introverted to be on TV. And realized, sorry, Jim Zoki, I didn't want to work at sports. I'd rather just watch and enjoy. My first radio job at KMMJ in Grand Island, Nebraska, news reporter, anchor, and I even did a polka show on weekends. My, my favorite polka artist was Whoopi John Wilfart. That's why, yeah. Next came KFOR in Lincoln again, reporting, anchoring, news directing, even wound up doing, believe it or not, sports, working the Husker football games. Then more destiny kicks in. A former KFOR worker working down in Tampa tips me off about a job at WFLA down there. I'm thinking, warm weather, never been there, here we go. Five years later, WBT comes into my orbit. I'm thinking, legendary call letters. I've been a Tar Heels fan since 68 Final Four. I was 12 years old. And I'm thinking, here we go again. It's 1987 and destiny with a capital D this time at WBT. I'm anchoring, reporting, news directoring, and now raising a family. I've worked with many wonderful people at the blowtorch. Some are still there. Many, as we found out tonight, are in this room. And through the years, you learned about the legacy of WBT and its place in this community and its amazing story, with, of course, a lot of changes along the way. Tonight, as we celebrate 100 years of WBT, I'd like to say thank you for letting me be part of the story. I never really thought I was doing anything special. I simply wanted to do the best I could every day. As WBT enters its second century, Hard to imagine what the 200 year celebration will be like, but let's make plans right now to make it a big one. Thank you. Thank
16: you. We had easels that
17: we were going to put the Hall of Fame plaques on. But none of us realize how heavy those things are when you try to move them. So we uh, put our heads together before the event tonight, and we finally decided that we'd do what we did. We'd sort of do the, uh, the Vanna White thing and, and, and show everybody back and forth. And then we said, you know what? John Stokes is now going to take his seat in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and there he is. So that is round one. I said a few minutes ago, we talked about the Hornets. We talked about the Tar Heels. What do you say we talk a little bit about the Carolina Panthers and a few other sports teams in there? Hall of Famer to be number two. In 1987, a new voice arrived in the Charlotte radio market, first as an airborne traffic reporter. Yes, that's allowed. Jeff Pilot, okay. WBT, Skyview
6: Traffic.
17: He started rather anonymously, one of several people in the late 80s and early 90s to be known as Jeff Pilot on WBT and WBCY. Today, high in the sky, 25 past four, Jeff Pilot. That voice would only get more familiar as Jim Zoki soon was hired to join the staff at WBT Sports. Two more Charlotte Hornets had to turn in their
6: stingers today.
17: WBT Sports Director Steve Martin recalls hiring Zoki to join the team. When we brought him on and the staff here, uh, it was was a great time.
27: You had a solid sports guy who grew into the job and expanded it and then of course hit the mother load with his role with with the
17: Panthers and he's an ideal guy for them. Steve Martin was already the play-by-play voice of the newly minted Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets are going to win. I'm
21: <laughs> The buzzer and, the
17: back. and when Steve eventually left the station to join the NBA franchise full-time, Zoki took the reins as WBT Sports Director. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Jeff Mullins Show. This is Jim Zoki, along with Jeff Mullins, head basketball coach at U.S. A job he still holds today. Over the next five years, Jim did a little bit of everything.
6: Live from the Charlotte Convention Center, along with Matt Pinto, Jim Zoki with you for the 1993 NBA Draft. That was the voice of Alonzo Mourning, you heard. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the Sports. I'm Jim Zoki, and a program we call Final Fours to Remember. 1-800-928-1110, our toll-free number on Carolina Sports Sunday in Charlotte. It's 570-1110. Off to Plains, Georgia. Curtis is next. Hello, Curtis. How are you? Okay, I'm a big
17: boss. One of Zoki's most important and defining early career efforts was assisting station management and community officials in luring NFL football to the Carolinas, a dream that was finally realized on October 26,
13: 1993. All of you people that bought all of those 40,000-plus PSLs, you have to make history
3: today. WBT Sports Director Jim Zoki from Chicago. Jim, how are you? Hello, Henry. Glad to have you with us, my friend. I was speculating earlier that I don't think the NFL owners all 28 have agreed on anything
6: ever except tonight unanimous I mean that's amazing all all 28 agreeing on the Carolina so the Carolina Panthers franchise was born
17: and who better to anchor the team's radio broadcasts than Jim Zocchi
6: fans teams faced each other in their first ever games, but we're going to have it here today in Canton, Ohio, as the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Carolina Panthers do battle in their first ever games right here.
17: The voices around him have changed over 25 plus seasons, but Zoki is still the only broadcaster to call every game of every season that the Panthers have ever played. The
6: excitement here is building. We are in Canton, Ohio at Fawcett Stadium. I'm Jim Zoki, along with Roman Gabriel. Now, please welcome and uh, make yourself comfortable with the radio play-by-play voice, Bill Rosinski. Thank you, Jim, and hello, everybody.
14: We welcome you to Carolina Panther football. We've 1-08 to go! We're going to Green Bay! We're <laughs> going to the frozen tundra! Oh, I
6: got a hankering for a hunk of cheese. Broncos are getting ready to be introduced here on the field in Santa Clara, Levi Stadium. Let's get our keys to the game now with Mick, Eugene, and Jordan.
16: Smokey up here, so
6: yes, yeah. the Pyrotechnics, and it is on, man. It is on and popping here at the Super Bowl. Up. Handoff McCaffrey again right up the middle. Hurdles a man at the 15 to the 10. A sprint to the right side. Dives to the pylon. Touchdown. Thanks. Christian McCaffrey.
25: That dude's special. That guy is special.
17: Aside from five years where the Panthers' radio rights were secured by another area station, Jim has remained on the air at WBT covering various events in a city that has seen tremendous growth and he's provided daily sports
6: updates There's nobody that likes doing radio more than I do you love
17: radio
14: I love
6: doing this you've done it in many markets I wanted to probably be without Kelly Tipuca, who has a hamstring injury 1110 WBT coverage tips off at seven o'clock so
27: the franchise tag protects the Panthers from losing Jordan gross in free agency and that's good news Jim soki
6: yeah now they've got uh, both of the tackles back Travel Wharton on one side and now Jordan 718.
17: Uh, News Talk 1110 WBT. Bo Thompson, Jim Zoki. Wells Fargo Championship in the books. And a good one for Rory
14: McIlroy. Rory McIlroy winning the Wells Fargo Championship. First time uh, he does his homework. He has this knack for throwing in the right line at the right
16: time. My belief is that there's no reason why my colleagues and I cannot create a meeting place. I don't really care who makes the good point. I don't care. I'm not a minute counter. I'm not an airtime counter. I I want to involve the on the broadcast. He's
2: earned that. He's very talented. And Jimmy is just so smart, so funny, and so agreeable. What a kind wonderful human being he is i just can't say enough good things about him and as a broadcaster uh he's unequal
17: over the course of five decades the zoke has done it all when it comes to wbt sports and starting tonight he will forever represent wbt sports it's time to join a new team welcome to the wbt hall of
8: fame
14: And DeLome takes a knee, and guess what? The improbable season for the Carolina Panthers continues. Yes, Charlotte, there is a Super Bowl, and we're in it. We're going to Houston in two weeks to play the New England Patriots for the championship of the National Football League. This is incredible.
16: What a marvelous story. And that's going to be it. The final seconds tick off. It is over. There will be some Panther silver at the Golden Anniversary Super Bowl. The Carolina Panthers, champions of the NFC, are headed to Super Bowl 50 in Santa Clara, California.
17: Please welcome to the stage the radio play-by-play voice of the Carolina Panthers from 1995 to 2005 and the radio play-by-play voice from 2005 to 2022, Bill Rosinski and Mick Mixon.
14: Mick told me, age before beauty, so that's why I'm going first here. (laughs) 1995, I was in Atlanta, I was the voice of the Falcons, and a friend of mine told me about an opening here to be the first voice of an expansion team. So I interviewed, came to Charlotte, I met Jim, I met Rick Jackson and other people at the radio station. And fortunately for me, they hired me for the job. So the NFL comes to Charlotte, and we're part of an expansion team. And it's an exciting time because you don't know what's going to happen. And I was particularly interested in how Jim fit into the broadcast because I'm the play-by-play guy. Roman Gabriel was the analyst. And I'm thinking, I said, Jim doing sidelines? No, he's in the booth with you. And I'm going, oh, so we don't have a sideline guy. No, we have a sideline reporter too. So I thought to myself, well, how is this going to work? And I learned over the course of the first four or five games that we did that one of the most talented, the most professional, the funniest, and the key to our broadcast for now 27 years was Jim Zoki. We got into a rhythm. That first game, you heard a little bit of that, playing uh, Jacksonville in the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. And we just went into the flow. I called the game, Roman was the analyst, and Jim was able to fit in his knowledge quickly, his humor, his expertise in radio, and I think over the course of 10 years, we were a pretty damn good broadcast team. And I particularly remember when it really hit home to me how important Jim was to the radio broadcast. I don't know how many remember that first win against the Jets in Clemson. Sam Mills' infamous interception of Bubby Brister's shovel pass to take it for a touchdown. But when we won the game that night, Roman and I were both able to sum up what it meant to the players and the team, but Jim was there to tell the listeners what it meant to the Carolinas, what it meant to Charlotte, because as you saw in the video, he followed the birth of this team from the beginning, and Jim was able to bring that to the broadcast. Now, Jim's sense of humor. We're in Atlanta, playing the Falcons. And usually in the mid-late 90s, those weren't very good games. So third quarter, Chris Chandler's the quarterback for the Falcons. He drops back to pass. He gets hit. He fumbles the football. Ball's land on the ground. Mike Barrow goes after it. Sean Gilbert for the Panthers goes after it. They run into each other, and Chris Chandler gets the ball back. And I said on the air, why didn't they just fall in the damn ball? And Jim says, tune in next week when Bill says the F word. (laughs) Another time, we're in St. Louis. We're driving for a touchdown. We fumble at the goal line. The Rams pick it up. They fumble it back to us. We run it in for a touchdown. And Jim goes, can we run that play in the second half? And then a home game, another, it was probably the Falcons again, and I was, there had been a bunch of punts, and I go, I'm going to say something else, I'm going to say kick, here's the kick. So they snapped the ball, and right at the last second, I go, I shouldn't say kick, I'll say punt. Well, I got the K out, and then the, okay? Okay. So the ball's sailing in the air. I realized what I just said, and I'm hoping Jim's got something good. (laughs) And the the play ended, and all I heard was... (laughs) 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 Uh, Let me tell you, uh, Jim Zoki is one of the most talented radio people out there because... He hosts three hours of a pregame show before we actually kick the game off. And then he does the postgame show, and he's been doing this for 27 years. I have worked with, in my career, some great folks in the booth. I work with Hall of Famer Jack Ham, Jack Snow. I work with Jeff Van Oat in Atlanta, Roman Gabriel, Eugene Robinson here. I work with Dan Reeves. Uh, the great Falcon coach, uh, rest in peace, Dan. Worked with him for three years. Most recently, I've worked with Steve Berline. And I can give you my honest opinion tonight. I am honored, I am so happy that for 10 years, I shared a broadcast booth with a guy who I would rate as highly as those guys I just mentioned, and that's Jim Zoki, Absolutely one of the best people on the planet. And I am honored here tonight to be part of this presentation. I'm going to bring Mick up. He's going to talk about his years with Jim. And I do want to give a shout out to Dave Langton. He's been the producer for 27 years for this Panther radio broadcast. Dave and his wife, Tracy, are here tonight. He and Jim have been the, const- uh, the constants for 27 years. And uh, the Panthers are lucky to have Jim Zoki.
16: The Zoke is like, oh, negative blood. He's the universal donor of humor and knowledge, and as Bill alluded to, his legendary wit frequently honed a razor-sharp edge. The Zoke has a gift. He makes everybody feel as though they're his buddy, they're his friend. He does this so artfully that tonight, both Bill Rosinski and I are privately incubating the thought, he liked working with me the best. (laughs) You know, Zoke's humor on the air, we all got a taste of, but off the air, he he had some funny lines too. I mean... And I'm sure Bill, felt, Bill feels the same way. You end up just feeling like little cackling little schoolgirls school when you're working with the Zoke. One night, we're in a restaurant in New York, and we had this engineer. I don't want to mention his name, but his initials were Bob White. <laughs> and Bob insisted nothing would do but that we go to this one restaurant because Bob had been there before, so we're trying to find this little dirtball diner in in New York and 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 then we, f- we finally find a place and we go in and, and Bob cannot stop talking about how he's almost positive this is the diner that, he, that they were there before several years prior. Well, our waitress that night was uh, quite well endowed. And so she's standing in between Jim and me as we're seated at this round table And Bob keeps talking about how, Jim, isn't this the place? Haven't we been here before? And Zoke turns perfectly deadpan. He turns his face right into her well endowedness and says, Yes, I'm pretty sure it is. I never forget a face. I wasn't going to tell that because David Chadwick was sitting right in front of me. (laughs) But, and he was cramping my language, but then Hancock got up. One, uh, Jim and I had this friend who is about our age and is legendarily terrible with women. And we were talking about him one, one day. And I said, you know, Zoke, they say, they say there's someone for everyone. And Jim says, no. There really isn't. <laughs> There's not someone for everyone. But, you know, we could go on and on about, about Jim and, and some of the funny things that he said, but I just want to close and, and w- welcome him into the Hall of Fame by saying that one of my favorite things about Jim Zoki is Sandra zoki and that all of us who've worked with him have heard the the the, the love and the, the just the adoration in his voice when she calls him frequently during Panther Talk on Monday nights <laughs> but i'm going to tell you this you, you'd be around you're around Jim Zoki and you're warmed whether you want to be or not you're warmed by the fire that his family stokes in him. His children, Sandra, Jim's love for them is like the man himself. It is big, it is honest, and it is pure. And so ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome the WBT Radio Hall of Fame's next inductee, the great Jim Zoki.
29: Can't believe Bill told the punt story and Mick told the boob story. Thank you, guys. <laughs> this is where the wheels come off, right? Great seeing all you. I'd like to know everybody here. This is amazing. I've never seen the Patterson Studio look this good. This is amazing, isn't it? It's beautiful. I appreciate everyone who's being here tonight. Radio 1, great job, as has been mentioned. And Marsha Landis, our current GM, and Mike Schaefer, our current program director. We are in great hands right now at 100 years. Uh, For me, I was a little kid. I mean, I'm talking elementary school, when I found AM radio. Are there any old people here? (laughs) Do you remember transistor radios? Like little transistor radios, you have the one ear plug. And I would just, uh, growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, we had 1100, uh, which was 3WE, and uh, I would get that little radio dial. At night, I found out at AM radio, you could listen all across the country to all these little radio stations by just moving this little tiny dial. I'd fall asleep with that thing in my ear, and I'd get KMOX in St. Louis and WJR in Detroit and KDKA in Pittsburgh, um, WLW in Cincinnati. I think Bill White programmed every one of those radio stations I just mentioned, by the way. And by just the smallest move, 1110 WBT, I, I could pick up from there as well. So I listened to it as a little kid. I would listen to all these ball games and sports talk and just whatever I could find. I was just fascinated by it. So I knew at an early age that was something I wanted to do and we had a great little neighborhood of kids. My best friend Brian Welty and I, we'd play ball and uh, play baseball, play basketball and do our own play-by-play as we were playing outside as elementary school kids. So I knew early what I liked to do. We'd record imaginary games just staring off into space uh, into a cassette recorder, uh, just calling fake baseball and basketball games. In high school they had a career day, it was just for seniors. And they got to go on the bus early in the morning. They went to John Carroll University and got to meet all the local DJs and TV anchors and TV reporters. And I was a freshman and I snuck on that bus. It was probably the first time I ever got in trouble in high school. And they didn't figure it out until I got there. I didn't even have a slip for the field trip or I just got on the bus and went. But I wanted to be a part of it so much, it just meant that much to me. And I went to Bowling Green State University up in Ohio, which is about two hours away from Cleveland. Got a broadcast journalism degree. And uh, as John Stokes was talking about going on campus and so forth, I went and um, went to the campus TV station, and really all the opportunities were for upperclassmen if you wanted to be on the air. So I kind of walked out disappointed not knowing what it was going to be, if I was going to be able to do this for a, uh, you know, a major and something to pursue as a possible career. And then I went to the campus radio station, and Scott Heidenhove and Gary Pallor are sitting there, and it's like lunchtime. And I introduced myself and said, you know, I'm a journalism major, I'm interested in you know, pursuing this. And they said, well, here's, remember AP Wire Copy, the Rip and Read you hear about? You used to just, like, roll over and roll over. They just had me rip a few stories, go into a broadcast recording booth, and, and, and just speak and record. I'm sure it was awful. And I came back out thinking, well, that was terrible. And um, I said, well, what do we do now? They go, what are you doing at 3.30 today? I go, Radio! that's how it began. <laughs> Got into radio sports right there. And in college radio, we did everything. We did sports talk and sports cast. We traveled. We called play-by-play for all the different Bowling Green sports. It was a great place to learn. And um, after that, while still in school, I worked uh, Bowling Greens outside of Toledo. I worked at a Toledo radio station as a disc jockey, as we called a DJ. Uh, there were no discs. It was uh, CDs. But um, I did three weekend shifts every weekend on top of being the sports director for the college radio station. And on top of doing, my dad told me, you've got four years, 15 hours every semester to knock it out in state public schools. I followed and got through and graduated in 1987. I decided I wanted to live somewhere not Cleveland, Ohio. I wanted to try to get out. And so um, I sent tapes and resumes all over the country. And some were to bigger cities, some were to like surrounding areas. I ended up getting a job in a surrounding area of this place, Charlotte, at WEGO in Concord. North Carolina, and the job was to do high school football play by play, a little bit of sports talk, and sales. I knew nothing of sales. It didn't matter because I only lasted five days. I quit after five days. The job paid $200 a week, and on my fifth day, it's a small place. The owner, GMPD morning show host, all one guy, Charlie B, comes up to me and says, Jim, how's it going? And I said, it's going good. I said, my one bit of negotiating was that he would pay for my U-Haul truck to come down from Ohio. And he said, well, how much did that come to And I said, it came to $700. And he said, oh, I'm not going to pay that. I said, okay. Well, you, that was kind of the deal. You pay for the moving truck, and um, that's kind of $200. That's almost like a month of salary, Charlie. He said, mm, not going to pay that. I'm gonna give you, I'll give you $100. And we go back and forth, and after about three, four minutes of that, uh, we both disagree, and uh, he says, well, do you want to make this your last day? I go, I sure do, and I walked out and got in my car, and I go, I just lost my job. <laughs> 22 years old, no job, living in a state, four states away from where I grew up, and uh, now I had to figure it out. Do you remember um, Creative Loafing, the little newspaper? And they would have want ads in there, and they had a want ad for a job. Traffic Patrol Broadcasting was looking for a traffic reporter, and so I go over there, Mockingbird Lane, And the job is, James Kay said he did this for one day. I did this for two years, was sit in that airplane, or as we lovingly referred to it, a coffin with wings, (laughs) and got that job of doing traffic reporting for the grand price to start out of $180 a week, $180 per week. Nobody out-negotiates this guy right here. (laughs) That's a radio right there. So that's where I started from. And then, of course, the whole goal all along was to be in sports broadcasting and I get the job as Jeff Pilot. If you don't know, Jeff Pilot is based on Jefferson Pilot being the owner. So it was like being Lassie. One would die, the next one would be Jeff Pilot. We just had one after another, Jeff Pilot. And, of course, Steve Martin, the great play-by-play voice of the Hornets, sports director at WBT, 1989, hires me to do weekend sports and to be on the Hornets pregame halftime postgame show. And I want to stop right there and say Steve, to me, is the best sports announcer in the history of this town And at WBT. And I don't know when the next Hall of Fame happens, but I hope Steve's a a part of that. He certainly deserves to be in this Hall of Fame as well. I'll always be uh, forever in debt to Steve, and I appreciate him hiring me for that. So I'm part-time weekend sports. I'm doing some of these Hornets broadcasts. And it's Russell and Flynn. I guess back then they worked six days a week. Don't give Mike Schaefer any ideas, but the, the weekday morning team did six days a week. So it's Russell and Flynn. And John Stokes is on news. Now, remember, I'm 22 years old, and you heard his voice. And so I'm sitting in the little news booth across him waiting to do sports while he's reading the news. I'm thinking, this is the weekend news guy? Are you kidding me? With that voice? And so I had to sit there and go, there is no way I'm going to do this. And he was network quality even then. And it's just to sit there and have to – it's like playing golf with Tiger Woods. Like, how am I going to do this? So I just kind of muddled through, and I got by. And doing the Panthers or doing the Hornets stuff back then with Russell and Flynn. Full-time traffic, part-time sports. And I would do a pregame show. And I was doing Jeff Pilot at the same time, split shift traffic. And this is giving you an idea how small the town Charlotte was in 1989. We would land the airplane at Charlotte Douglas Airport. I would get in my car, come down Wilkinson Boulevard a half an hour later, and host a sports title or the Hornets pregame show as Jim Zoki. And nobody ever said anything or ever noticed anything about that. It's amazing in a small town that you can even get around like that now. I've worked for all five ownership groups that John Hancock mentioned. If you can remember them with me, Jefferson Pilot, Lincoln Financial, Greater Media, Anarchom, Radio One. So I've had five ownership groups. So many managers, so many of them here in the room today. I know Mary June Rose is sitting over here, I think to this side I saw. Mary June Rose was really my first program director and the only one to have the is to put the Duke Blue Devils on WBT, her favorite team. (laughs) And the only one clapping about it. So the story behind that was we would had the Hornets and we had the Tar Heels, and they got tired of being bumped uh, to our sister station whenever there were conflicts. And so they went over to Magic 96. What a mistake that was uh, for about three years. And in that time, we had the Duke, Duke Blue Devils for just like about three years with Mary June Rose. Uh, I heard someone mention Randall Bloomquist earlier. I think he fired half the Hall of Famers that are in this room here, so congratulations on that bit of history. Bill White is here. Last time uh, we saw Bill White was... In Napa, because he works in Sacramento, so he's out there near wine country on a Dave Ramsey trip, one of the all-time greats and has continued to be uh, a great manager across the country. Carl East is here, one of the nicest people that you'd ever want to meet as our program director, and now we've got Mike Schaefer. Rick Jackson as general manager. Rick and I uh, worked on, again, the beginnings of the broadcast for the Panthers, and uh, I remember sifting through tapes, and Bill Rosinski's tape was in there, by far uh, the best one that was in there and uh, putting the whole station rights and all those broadcast deals together. So the first five years of the broadcast were actually in-house with WBT. And uh, Rick made great friends with Mark Richardson, I think, during that time, so he remembers that fondly as well. And I was in Chicago for that expansion meeting in 1993. As far as on air, I've worked with a who's who of WBT dignitaries, again, beginning with Russell and Flynn. So I was actually Jeff Pilot when Hugo happened, so I was out there driving the streets. We couldn't fly them. Uh, doing traffic reports with Russell and Flynn and when James Cade did that great Chainsaw song and Don, just the funniest human being on earth. Mike Collins taught me, you could say anything on the radio and get away with it, so I appreciate Mike for many years of getting to work with him, not only doing traffic, but also doing sports. Then it was John Robinson and Maura Quinn, who I know is here tonight as well, so talented. John Hancock, another lifelong friend of mine, and uh, we both came here like Pete Callender. We left... We came back. We got spat out. Now we're in the Hall of Fame. I don't know how that worked out, but here we are. Al Gardner, good morning. And Stacey Sims, good morning. Uh, Stacey's here. I know uh, tonight we talked uh, up front. She's great. She can't cook, but she is very good at radio. Spires and Krantz for a period of time. Uh, I'm not sure where Richard is, but Brad is here tonight. I saw Brad last night, and uh, Britt Whitmire as well. Great fun working with those two. Bob? As far as my time with them was with Bob and Sherry, who's here. I know Todd is here, uh, Max as well, about 12 years of dropping in with them, doing Sports Confuse Me segments with them on 107.9, The Link. It, do you remember that mural in the big conference room that had all the old WBT dignitaries? And uh, Bob Lacey was on there. I'm like, when was Bob on WBT? So I'm I looking forward to hearing some of Bob's stories about the radio station because they kind of predate my time that was with them. And now Bo Thompson, as I mentioned, 10 years with the morning show, but 25 years and Beth Troutman, who's been here one week. And um, way to jump in, 99 years, 51 weeks. I think I'll join now. So Good. I've known Beth longer than that. She's great. And you'll, you feel like you've known her your entire life after five minutes. So the thing with Bo is he's done these great Century pod, uh, podcasts and all these highlight reels you see. And now he's, he'll be a Hall of Famer. Let's just get that out of the way right now. But who will do his podcast and who will do his introduction He'll have to do it himself because nobody is as qualified or as good as Bo to do his own. But I think he'll pull it off through the magic of production some way. I want to mention as many people as I can without taking up too much time, but our morning crew, John Moore, Pam Warner, Tony Marino's here, Jeff Atkinson's here, Sharon Thorson, Ed Billick is here, great singer Jim Barrell again, and and Charles Jenkins. Charles, how's your boat? Is it okay? You had a building land on it last week. Our good friend Paul Jameson. It's great when you have a friend who's also a client. I get to read your endorsements every day, Paul. It's great to have you here. I do have a particular all-time favorite employee because when you work 28 years that I have in one place, you know, your life is woven into your job as well. In my own home, in my own marriage, I am literally the second most deserving person to be in this Hall of Fame because Sandra started the WBTV Spent 27 years working with this radio station as a copywriter, promotions director. She launched 107.9 The Link back in the day. Those years of WBT Sky shows she headed up. Moved into sales and then became an AE director of sales and all that with a double journalism of what? Music and journalism at the University of North Carolina. She can do anything. So as David Chadwick says, marry your best friend, you can never go wrong. She puts up with me every day the love of my life, the cutest girl in the room, Sandra Helton Zoki. She asked me a week ago, she goes, have you, are you going to talk at this thing? What's the deal? I go, I guess. I mean, if you're getting an award, you've got to say something. She goes, have you thought about what you're going to say? Have you written a speech? I go, no, you know, I hate reading stuff. I just like to talk. And she went,
9: nah, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs>
29: So I wrote a few names. I don't want to forget anyone. Together we raised five kids. Now imagine five simultaneous teenagers and one foster kid. And these two jobs helped to fund the fact that they all have college degrees. Five of them do. And all five of these kids are here tonight. Holly and Andy and Philip and Evan and Alex. And thank you to some 20 to 30-year-old millennials for giving up their Saturday night for an AM radio event. I'm sure they're really having a great time. Thank you. My mom passed about three years ago, Evelyn. My dad, Jack, is 85. He lives in Chester, South Carolina. So if we need someone to check on the transmitter, he's available for that. We have here in attendance tonight, my Aunt Barb and Uncle Jim, who recently moved here to Charlotte. We call her Mama Barb. Some of you know her. Elizabeth, Larry, Doris, and Alan, Lindsay, Tony, and Alice are all here. And I didn't want to forget anyone. I think that's everybody, right? That's everyone that we brought. I told this story to Hancock yesterday, I don't want to forget somebody that would make Thanksgiving awkward. And he said, I did that (laughs) five years ago at the 95th. I said, who'd you forget? So tonight, I want to thank, on behalf of John Hancock, Matt Geiger, John Hancock's stepson, for what he's meant to John Hancock's life. There you go, John, you're off the hook. (laughs) As you heard from Mick and Bill, I have a second job because I don't make enough money at my first job. 27 years of radio with uh, the Panthers, with Bill and Mick, lifelong friends, heroes of mine. Working with Bill is like singing backup for Pavarotti. You heard his voice. I mean, he's just, there's no one that creates a big moment better than Bill does. We went to Super Bowl 38 together. You know, the whole, yes, Charlotte, there's a Super Bowl, and we're in it. I mean, Bill is just, to me, just like the most iconic voice in those first 10 years, a decade, of doing Panthers radio. And then along comes Mick with 17 years, and as he said, we can complete each other's sentences, uh, each other's stories. We call for each other's stories at banquet events and things like that, Uh, and I'll miss having both of them on road trips collectively here. Eugene Robinson overlapped both of their times and 17 years that he did in the booth with us, still part of Panther Talk, of course, as well as always. And uh, I know people are asking, you know, what am I doing now? I'll, I'll be back for a 28th year in the same role I've always been in, so looking forward to what's coming up and uh, also have some other additional opportunities to tell you about, but not today in the future. David Langton's here, I know he's sitting back that way, and uh, David, like me, will be entering his 28th year with the Panthers, we are two of three employees ever to be working every single Panther game in the history of the franchise. I hired Dave because the first five years, the rights were in-house at WBT, and uh, I take credit for hiring one of the most long-living employees I ever had, except I actually screwed it up, because it came down to two guys, and they were both great. It was hard to, how do you pick one? So I picked the other guy, and he was a producer for the Tony Kornheiser show, and I thought I was done. And then a few weeks later, that guy calls me from D.C., and he says his fiance doesn't want to leave D.C. and move to Charlotte, and I'm thinking, great. I go, well, no problem. Luckily, I've got another guy just as good, uh, a little bit awkward, but I pick up the phone, and I call Dave. I go, great news. That job you wanted is now available. He said, "Oh, I'm in Arizona now." So now I go to David. Sorry, I guess we'll move on. He goes, "Nope, I still want the job." So uh, David took the job, like a trooper, drove across country in his car, and uh, here he is, 28 years later. David Lang is still producing every Panther's game that we've had so far. <clears throat> Easiest hiring in Panther history. It took me two chances to get it right. In conclusion, um, in my career overall, I've had a chance to work Super Bowls, Final Fours. The Masters, U.S. Opens, PGA Championships, NBA, national TV for CBS, ABC, ESPN, national radio play-by-play for college football and basketball. Uh, I've been the voice of the Charlotte 49ers, the voice of the Davidson Wildcats, Charlotte Knights Baseball. I have a movie plug. I'm in a movie that comes out next week with uh, Jim Nance and I are the opening scene of The Mulligan, which will be in theaters. And you can check that out. Rick Eldridge from uh, Real Works, good friend of mine, had me in the opening scene of a movie of all things happening next week. But through it all, home base has always been one Julian Price place. A rare and special place. I'm glad to have spent 28 years there as part of their 100 year history. I can't believe a little kid listening on a transistor radio up in Ohio could end up being in the Hall of Fame of WBT Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, To the committee who voted me and all three of us in, uh, to everyone at Radio One who's worked so hard to make this event special and happen tonight, I thank you. I'm blessed by God. I thank you all for being my family and friends. Thank you and have a great night.
17: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage our host of 10 a.m. to eleven forty-five every weekday, Vince Coakley.
30: Good evening, everyone. Are we having a great time tonight? (laughs) Wonderful, rich history for News Talk 1110 and WBT. I want to share kind of a unique experience, just briefly, as a person who spent a good bit of time in radio, but also spent a good bit of time in television. Because during that time in television, I came to a point where I started eyeing the uh, other side of the fence. I saw where the grass looked like it was greener. And by that I mean a lot of people who are in radio really aspire to get into television. I was in television, and I was aspiring to get back into what was really my first love in broadcasting, and that was radio. And it's a good time to point out a person who was a great inspiration for that, someone who's in this room tonight, Hall of Famer, one John Hancock, who I actually reached out to during the time I was on television, because I told him, a part of me really wants to be in radio. One of the reasons for that, I think back to one of the broadcasts that really impacted me a great deal. How many of you remember John Hancock's Father's Day show? How many of you remember that? And the reason that was so impactful, because it touched my heart, I realized this, what John was doing was just sharing his life, sharing his heart in a way I could never do from behind an anchor chair. And that's what I wanted. That's what drove me to pursue a career that would land me at News Talk 1110 WBT. I thought I would share just a piece of that story because that's really what this medium is about. It's about touching people's hearts, touching people's lives in a way that you can only do with radio. And for that, I'm very thankful. I'm thankful for all of you for being a very, very important part of that. And it's on the shoulders of the people who've worked in the past, this station, that have really helped this dream possible uh, for me. And I so appreciate that and the value that it brings really to thousands upon thousands of people. And they have a future ahead, a future ahead with a radio station for another hundred years and beyond, Lord willing. So again, thank you, John. I think it's important to express that. Now I have the distinct honor and privilege. I serve in the 10 to noon slot right now. And I recognize that there are some wonderful people that have served in this lot before me. And it's my opportunity now to welcome to the stage someone who is a 2012 WBT Hall of Famer, who is going to come forward now, Mr. H.A. Thompson. Yeah.
11: I I talk like an old man because I am one. (laughs) Thank you, Vince. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. It's wonderful to be here. And the memories are exclusively magnificent. I wasn't here 30 seconds when a lady came up to me tonight and said, H.A., do you remember 45 years ago, 1977, We took a chartered plane trip to Hawaii. I said, yes, we had several of those. Those were fun events back then, and they're fun today. And she said, look at these six pictures, and they blew me away. And she was just memorizing the pleasures and the good times that we have had all the time connected with WBT. The 100th anniversary is something extraordinary. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to be anywhere. (laughs) I was hired in 1971. A year later, we celebrated the station's 50th anniversary, and that's a fast 50 years. And my hair hasn't even gotten very gray. Yeah, and Vince knows why, too. You want to borrow some of my hair? Okay. The radio industry has had WBT as the powerhouse in the Carolinas. And we each feel personally connected to it. My 20 years at WBT was truly a gift. The 1970 management team took a risk and made a major format change that rattled everybody's cage. They never played rock and roll or had a talk show. Elvis didn't get a spin on WBT for 15 years because Charles Crutchfield said we're not a jukebox and that was okay then, but they decided it was time to make a contemporary music format and we plugged into the community like never before. Ratings went sky high. Hello Henry came on in 79. Sports was a big part of our listenership and here's something that doesn't get a whole lot of recognition, and I haven't heard it mentioned tonight. The radio sales team, those guys are fun. Larry Rouse, Mike Ventura, John Riekert, Lovell Waugh, John Edwards, David Medlock were just some of them. They hit the streets, and they told all the merchants, WBT is better than big ways. (laughs) And we were, and the ratings proved it. And don't forget the large amounts of money we raised for charity, like Penny Pitch. That was a lot of fun and went on for years. And it was directed by one of our favorite soul brothers, Rockin' Ray Gooding. Terrific man. We're here tonight to celebrate 100 years and recognize the three outstanding men in the Hall of Fame. Here's the third one. Let's watch this video of Bob Lacey.
4: I was always very surprised that WBT let me do the talk show. I was 23 years old. (laughs) And if if I were a manager of a radio station, I wouldn't put a
17: 23-year-old in charge of much of anything. In 1972, Bob Lacey arrived at one Julian Price place and soon became one of the youngest regular on-air personalities in the station's history. I really loved getting
4: very, very close to the listeners, especially on the talk show.
17: His first regular gig was a groundbreaking show for a station that primarily played music at the time. We may not have made a difference in somebody's life, but I just have the feeling that we cheered up a few people who were very, very lonely. Management decided to turn the 23-year-old Lacey loose with a microphone and a telephone after the sun went down. It was kind of goodwill that there there are
4: some good things going on in life, and maybe... You take some woman who's alone in upstate New York, and it's the middle of the winter, and her husband died two years ago, and here's some people having a good time, and she can tune in, and it's not uh, it's not television,
17: it's happening right now. I felt really good about that. Lacey Listens became WBT's first nighttime telephone talk show.
9: WBT, this is Lacey Listens.
1: <laughs> Let's take another call. WBT, you're on the air. Almost dropped it, Cleo. Hello? Hello, Bob Lacey. Hello there, neighbor. How you doing? Mighty fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what you been doing? Well, uh, sitting around here doing a little radio
4: program. At night, uh, it's, it's pretty loose, as you know, and uh, you can just experiment. And it, it just with the, with the wonderful reach of WBT, you could do so many things. So at 23, 24 years of age, I had this wonderful great big toy with people calling from Vermont and Key West, Florida, and all these wonderful characters, and it was a great training ground for me.
17: Bob became very popular in short order, so much so that he was promoted to take over WBT Mornings in 1975.
30: WBT, Bob Lacey. It's 22 minutes before 8
4: o'clock on the Bob Lacey Good Morning Show here on WBT. If you were listening about this time or a little bit later to yesterday morning... Tall people got one reason. Tall
23: people got one reason.
17: Would eventually be joined by Harold Johnson in the AM slot, and the show became a ratings force in the very competitive mid to late '70s Charlotte radio market, rejuvenating WBT in the process.
2: We had some good times on that morning show, didn't we? I'll
4: tell you why. You were a great partner to be with. No,
2: uh, it was always a lot of fun. Mornings are special. You never forget your times that you worked, for, whether it's radio or anything, because they were so—they were good
4: times. Yeah, and it's a—it's it's sort of a special time for the audience because it's a personal time. They're just getting up, and they have their regular routines and all. That's and right. they flip the radio on and it's a funny thing. People have asked me about working with Harold and, uh, you know, how do they put you two guys together? And I don't even remember but it's one of those things that you really can't create. You can't take two people and say, we're going to take this guy and this guy or this woman and this guy and put them together and it's going to be just fine.
1: I say keep their money up there. Yeah. Raise local taxis. Uh, we don't need their money. Hey, don't get into this. I just wanted a few laughs here this morning. Well, oh, we don't need their money.
8: 11, 10, w-
1: 18 minutes before 8 o'clock on 1110 WBT and the Bob Lacey Good Morning Show. Traffic Watch gets to work on time with Jeff Pilot is next and then Dr. Joe
4: Sobel
30: talks about our cloudy weather
4: forecast. The amazing thing about WBT was there was Grady Cole and then there was Ty Boyd was on uh, for 12 years and really for me was the consummate professional. Uh, H did it for a little while but uh, everybody just loved H in the midday so much that they felt that's where he was best uh, serving the audience and uh, he was on for so many years somebody was right. And and then, uh, then I came along. In, in the course of uh, almost 50 years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, just amazing.
17: After five very successful years hosting mornings, Bob decided to leave radio, but he remained with Jefferson Pilot Communications, and he stayed in the same building too. As he moved down the hall to WBT's then sister television station, WBTV. Tonight on PM Magazine. He was paired with Maura Quinn to host PM Magazine, where he spent the entire decade of the 80s dominating early evening TV.
26: It really is very picturesque.
17: Yeah. So join us for PM Magazine.
18: Your go going places Monday at 7.30 on WBTV Channel 3. In
17: 1990, Bob returned to radio and he came back down that same hall again. This time to rebuild 107.9 which was then known as WBT-FM. 107.9 Sunny FM. Bob Lacey tagging along with you at 15
4: minutes before 10 o'clock on your way to work in the middle of at least 50 minutes of the greatest hits
17: of yesterday and Today.
9: 107.9
8: Sunny F.
17: And that, of course, ultimately led to him meeting Sherry Lynch and the forming of the nationally syndicated Bob and Sherry Show. I should have gone on the Bob and Sherry website.
9: You'll know that you're on the right Bob and Sherry
4: website because you'll see your own face smiling back (laughs) at you. And I just so love the Charlotte audience, uh, both with TV and in radio, uh, especially those early years. They were always so nice to me and so forgiving of somebody that, you know, does not have a doctorate in English. They forgave my failings. They they would disagree with me politically, and they still loved
17: me, and I still love them. It was a great place to be on the air. It still is. Even though he's no longer working in the building, he'll now always be in the building. As I'm very honored to announce that Bob Lacey will be joining the WBT Hall of Fame.
11: Everything he did was a winner. He gave me my nickname for my initials, H.A. He called me Hardly Adequate. <laughs> and it was true on the golf course, after we played around the golf. We recognized this special guy that nobody else has ever done under the Jefferson Pilot um, umbrella, and you've heard about it 50 years, and it probably hasn't happened any place in the country. 1972, he tore it up with Lacey Listens, and then it wasn't long before he went to the morning show, and I followed him at 10 o'clock, and one morning I said to him, do you ever think about or miss Lacey Listens? And he said, I think about it every day, because he did it all so well. The 80s, Bob Jump's ship went over to WBTV, Maura Quinn for 10 years on PM Magazine, and that ended and BCYFM put him together with a new partner, Bob and Sherry, and they rocked and they rolled and they made it happen. And we've got memories just coming out of the woodwork tonight, and we're very proud of our friend who has done it so well. With that record, we're proud to present Bob Lacey a lifetime membership in the WBT Hall of Fame. 49, 50 years and he doesn't look 50 years old. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome the newest member to the WBT Hall of Fame, Bob Lacey.
4: My, my, my. I want, to take, uh, I want to take a look at that thing in just a moment. Oh, yeah. Wow, my face in bronze. I should have used more Botox, but, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Mary, I think we're going to get a copy. My wife, Mary Lacey, Dr. Mary Lacey, would you stand up, dear, and wave at everybody over there for money? I, I want to get a copy of that and put it right over our bed. All right, maybe not, maybe not. I want to talk about H.A. Thompson. Does he, where is H? Did you just already go back to his seat there? Does H.A. Thompson not look 45 years old? <laughs> Honest to God, he's looked 45 years old for the last 45 years. I Absolutely love the guy. Um, how many people here, put your hands together, are from JP? Come on. JP slash Lincoln, um, I just felt so wonderful about working for that company. I felt loved, protected, and uh, able to grow as an entertainer. And the main reason that was possible, I think, was because we had such great leadership. And they're here tonight, and I'm gonna start with Colleague Tarleton, who was my manager in radio, and then TV, and he'll let me go back to radio once again. And Cully Tarleton uh, had to retire early because of a bad back, and he got that back by wheeling in so much money to that radio station <laughs> for so many years. But it wasn't that hard because H and I had a 26 share, so that was uh, something that made it a lot easier. Also here tonight is uh, Rick, Rick Jackson, who, yes, you can give him a round of applause. One of the most loved men in the history of uh, WBT and beyond. Rick Jacks, you know, they say that men don't recognize things. Like my wife can tell me to go get something out of the refrigerator, like some mayonnaise, and I'm staring in there and I don't see it. And she comes right by and gets it. Uh, Rick called Sherry Lynch and I, and and my partner of 30 years is here, Sherry Lynch. (laughs) Love you, baby. And I walked into his office and uh, sat down, and I was just going, hmm, I wonder what he wants here. Sherry came in the office and looked around and started crying because the bookshelves were empty and the desk was cleared. And um, we knew at that point that he did not want to work for the next company, and he was gone. But he was a man that everyone loved so much, particularly women, because he respected women. And I hope one of these days that there is a female face that is up there. And uh, one of them may be right here. Um, The other person that I, I just can't believe that I worked with him. And I was talking with uh, Mary Lou Babb um, about how much respect I have for Jim Babb. Jim Babb was the uh, president, I'm going to call him the seat, uh, just the greatest uh, president I've ever worked for. He managed 15 radio stations and also three or four television stations, I guess three. He knew the name of every single employee, every single employee. You could sit down in the Pine Terrace and have lunch with the president. Give him your ideas. He would talk to you. It was an amazing period uh, to be in broadcasting, and I just wish it for everyone. I feel so great. Thank you, chief, for for leading all of us. Um, what did these men have in common? They had respect for talent. Our pictures were on the wall. <laughs> And you walk down the hall, and you just felt like a star. They knew that if they promoted the personalities, that it would come back and help the company. And over the years, it did. And I just genuinely appreciate that leadership. I'd now like to just very quickly, because someone said that uh, we should be planning the 200th uh, anniversary. I think we're almost there. So. <laughs> I need a drink, and uh, I think some of you do too. But let let me do something first. I really don't want my picture in front of 100 years. (laughs) And social media is a it really is, you know? Can you imagine? 100 years, (laughs) jeez. Sherry Lynch has taught me that, you know, you gotta be very careful. The, uh, the best... I'm not just saying this because... And I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. Don't worry. Um, the best newscaster I ever worked with was John Stokes. And the best sports guy I ever worked with was Jim Zoki. And I'm not saying that because they're right over here. I'm saying that because they're that good. And it's, been, it's just been wonderful. And, and Sandra is just such a terrific person to, uh, to know. I'd like to just go very quickly. I started out with the best news and the best sports. I think... Uh, The best duo that was on WBT during my 50 years here was Bob and Harold. Uh, Harold Johnson was one of the funniest guys I've ever known, and I just loved, loved working with him. Um, The person who is best at keeping WBT focused on being WBT, and what that means is we love our clients deeply, but there has to be some giving where there's no money involved and John Hancock more than anyone else has represented that. Thank you John very much. I think over the years the funniest guy who was ever on WBT and there are some funny guys but in my opinion the funniest guy who was ever behind a microphone on WBT was Don Dam Russell, and I want to give him a round of applause. <laughs> Don and I were housemates for a while, and uh, he's, he's a lovely, lovely guy, but he is as funny as can be. Uh, I want to thank Barbara Connell, who is uh, um, uh, uh, an assistant to executives, and Mary McMillan, who designed the uh, new WBT, I want to thank Bo Thompson for putting all of this together. God bless you, Bo, carrying this on. And now, who is the best radio personality in the history, in my opinion, uh, of uh, WBT? And I gave that a lot of thought, been a lot of guys behind that microphone. Um, my choice, and I'm not just saying this because there's sentimentality involved. My choice is Ty Boyd. I don't think anybody I don't think anybody represented this city as it became a really nationally known city more than Boyd. Boyd was absolutely Mr. Charlotte, and it made me so nervous the first few weeks that I was in there because I had to raise my game. I walked in, and please, this is not a long story, but I walked in and uh, it was the day I turned 22, and I went into the front entrance that many of you know, and <laughs> the first person I saw was this older man with jet black hair, you could see a little, underneath a big white cowboy hat, with a red shirt and fringe, white fringe on the shirt, white pants tucked into black cowboy boots, and two 45s on his hips. You know, who, who was that? Who? Fred Kirby. And for newer people, he was the singing cowboy on WBT and a WBTV. He was the headliner at Tweetsie Railroad. He was the most loving man you could find. And I had hair down to here, and a mustache, and uh, hippie clothes, and I walked in my first day went up that one little step into the hall, and there was Fred Kirby, who I did not know. And I looked at him with the cowboy outfit and the guns, and he looked at me, a hippie in North Carolina, and we just stared at each other for a few moments. And he said, Well, howdy, stranger! And he pulled the guns out. (laughs) And he said, These guns shoot nothing but Love. And I said to myself, baby, you are not in New Haven, Connecticut anymore. (laughs) So let me close. Thank you all. Um, All of you I worked with. (laughs) meant so much. And I hope for WBT that in the future, your guns shoot nothing but love. God bless.
15: WBT would like to thank our presenting sponsor this evening, the Center for TMJ and Sleep Apnea, and our associate sponsor, TR-Line Realty.
17: So we really are on the doorstep of 100 years. A lot closer to the doorstep than originally planned, but... It's 100 years. And with that, I say, let's finish out the timeline. WBT in the 1990s saw the debuts of John
22: Hancock. Hey there, hi there, ho there. We're as uh, Tuesday as we can be. Rush Limbaugh
3: And we are back, greetings to you, music lovers, thrill seekers, conversationalists all across the and plain
17: Maura Quinn
18: Good afternoon everyone, <laughs> so glad you could join us, this is Maura Quinn
17: John Robinson WBT Radio for me uh, gave a
12: kid from Gaston County a chance to uh, play with some of the most remarkably talented people that have ever worked in this business
30: Jerry Klein hey, News Talk 1110 WBT, let's go to the phones, Kelly, how are you? I'm Jerry I'm glad you called. Jerry V. NBA headlines on a
27: Jerry V. show on a Saturday. Al Gardner. At 530, 45 degrees on News Talk 1110 WBT, your news, weather, and traffic station. Danny
17: Fontana. I want to say thank you to WBT. Fabulous, fabulous radio station.
12: David Chadwick. This is a faith and values program that tries to intersect faith and values. It's always a pleasure doing the show. Thank you for listening. Inspires and, and Krantz. Welcome
27: to the program. Truly, Richard and I do appreciate the heritage of what came before us. We really do. Now, of course, half the time we do everything we can to trash that heritage. But...
3: No, no, no. <laughs> only, only you do. Mr. Bob Hope. it's right, Bob, production Show Hope, right here. Hey, Bob. Oh, Bob. <laughs> we
8: think
3: that a panther yeah. is
6: fast. Sleek, graceful, uh, we think it's a good logo for us.
3: Quite the pandemonium at Founders
6: Hall in uptown Charlotte where spotlight for NFL expansion falls solely on the Carolinas tonight.
17: In 1995, WBT became the first ever flagship station of the NFL Carolina Panthers.
3: Frank Wright back to pass, pumps, fires. Christian open at the 10, Christian at the 5, Christian dives in the end zone. Touchdown, Panthers! Bob Christian! And mark it down. On a Saturday afternoon at the Hall of Fame game, the Panthers with their first touchdown. Here comes the-
17: In 1996, WBT acquired 99.3 FM WBZK in Chester, South Carolina, which would soon become WBT-FM. News Talk 1110, WBT 852 at the time. A
27: plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. In it's exploding
0: right now.
14: Associated Press is reporting that a plane It was a plane that crashed at the Pentagon, and the Pentagon is
12: being evacuated.
16: Today, America has experienced one of the greatest tragedies ever witnessed on our soil.
12: None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend
17: freedom. In the early days of the new century, WBT helped the nation mourn and stay informed in the aftermath of the 9-11-01 attacks and the ongoing war on terror. Al Gardner broke the news to Charlotte listeners on that September morning.
9: ABC Live.
27: We just witnessed on CBS and ABC on television another plane has now crashed into the World Trade Center. Uh, it would appear purposeful. Today, our
9: fellow
5: citizens, our way of life, our very freedom, came under attack. The most tragic hour in America's history.
9: And we were just in a cloud of darkness. To an empty
6: sky. None of us will ever forget this
29: day. God bless America.
9: Empty sky. Empty sky. I woke up this morning to an empty sky.
12: We cannot know every turn this battle will take, yet we know our cause is just. We will no doubt face new challenges, but we have our marching orders. My fellow Americans, let's roll.
17: At WBT's 80th anniversary celebration in 2002, the station's main air studio was renamed the Ty Boyd Studio, honoring the legendary Morning Man.
2: Ty, congratulations. You are the one and only person of history at the, this radio station that now has a dedicated studio
20: named
11: after you. Wow.
3: I feel like an imposter. Good heavens. Who could who could deserve that? You are so fabulous, Rick. And, um, ooh, you... you, you grady cole and lunas
17: McGlowan joined the wbt hall of fame in 2006 jefferson pilot communications merged with lincoln financial the station's first ownership change in 60 years one year later earl gluck arthur smith ty boyd and the briar hoppers joined the wbt hall of fame The first decade of the 2000s saw debuts from names like Stacey
16: Sims.
0: Certainly we'll be talking about this morning, talking to experts, get their opinion whether they think that was Keith
16: Larson. News Talk 1110 WBT. You know what the news is. This is my news, and you're welcome to it. Jason Lewis. Jason Lewis. Jason
15: Lewis. He a blazing saddle. 76 degrees in
3: the Queen City with Carol in Charlotte. You're on WBT. Hi,
18: uh, thank you for taking my call. Glad
3: to. And, uh, Jeff Katz. Great job today, everybody. John Hancock is up next. 559,
17: Jeff Katz, News Talk 1110, WBT. And Tara Servatius. You're on News Talk 1110, WBT.
20: Hey, Tara, great show today. How you doing?
17: Thanks. Some of WBT's biggest annual events were born during this decade, including Holiday on Ice.
12: It's become a holiday tradition for so many people. Keith's Ride.
15: We
27: ride to help kids and families that are going through terrible circumstances.
17: And Hancock's Bikes for Kids.
22: Come down, volunteer. Merry Christmas from Kids 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 First! Woo!
17: Woo! In 2012, WBT celebrated 90 years by honoring H.A. Thompson as he joined the WBT
15: Hall of Fame.
11: This is a spiritual gathering today, and I don't mean to get high and mighty. I don't mean that at all. I'm just saying, these kind of things don't happen in life. Very many places, Dougie, right? Boy, I'll say. Thank you all. Thank you, WBT. Thank you.
17: New names in the new decade included
30: Vince Coakley. I'm curious about what some of the issues are that are near and dear to your heart. You're concerned about the future of the country. Yours truly, Bo Thompson. We are live back
17: at Sky Show 2020. Election night in America continues. Bo Thompson. We are live from the Wells Fargo Championship on News Talk. Brad
3: and Britt. You are both credit to community. Uh, it is the
14: Brad and Britt radio program here. I certainly appreciate the underpoint of you. I don't view. Even know you. you. Who are you? you Brett Jensen. Got a lot going on today. I am coming in from the WBT newsroom, so I appreciate everyone joining us.
17: And longtime newsman Mark Garrison began a nightly show called
5: Charlotte at Six. Well, we start this evening with a Charlotte at Six exclusive about a local fight over... how There will be some Panther
16: silver at the golden anniversary super bowl the carolina panthers champions of the nfc are headed to super bowl 50 in santa clara california
17: on february 7th 2016 wbt broadcast super bowl 50 in santa clara california as the carolina panthers took on the denver broncos later that year wbt was sold to intercom communications in 2017, WBT celebrated its 95th anniversary, inducting Ray Gooding, Henry Bogan, and John Hancock into the Hall of Fame.
22: There was a dream, and one day I could see it. There was a kid with a head full of doubt. A young man from a small town with a very large imagination lay alone in his room with his radio on, looking for another station. For and Ray Gooding, for Hello Henry Bogan, and from the bottom of my heart,
14: thank you very much.
21: Good
15: morning. In the fall of 2017. It's a beautiful day in North Carolina. 14 years as Charlotte Mayor.
3: I know the game, guys. I was there. I fought the game as an outsider. Four years as NC Governor. I'm going to keep exposing the game, whether you're Republican or you're Democrat. But you're having fun. I
17: know
26: you are. I'm having a good time with Bo Thompson.
25: Governor Pat McCrory. Bo Thompson.
26: Love listening to you guys. Listening to y'all every morning of my life, basically. Time to play the game.
17: The Pat McCrory Show began a three year run in late morning drive. The final two years of this WBT century have not been easy ones. As a global pandemic encompassed the world and, of course, unfolded on the air.
5: Breaking as we speak. The governor issuing a stay-at-home order. to People can get their first or second Pfizer dose at StarMed. Uh, I, I say
17: good morning. Uh, more appropriate phrase is uneasy morning. That is uh, where we are in America
10: right now with this coronavirus. 2020 has certainly thrown us a number of curveballs. I able to break
13: minute. the story earlier this afternoon.
28: Yes, um, I will that... try to take
13: it live,
30: covering these COVID briefings. This is been a very challenging time in so many ways.
17: Another decade brought another ownership change as Radio 1 took control of WVT, WLNK, and WFNZ. Now as we enter our 100th year. WBT is ready for another century of news, weather, traffic, sports, and entertainment with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman in the morning. And you never know
0: where the conversation's going to go.
17: That's right. Vince Coakley. Again, part of a broader discussion. Bill O'Reilly. WBT. That's a legacy radio station in this country. Pete Callaner.
28: Let's run through as many phone calls as we can. I know a lot of people are on hold.
10: Brett Winterbull. What an amazing time to be in this city. Mark Garrison. It's Dirty Restaurant Thursday. And
17: Brett Jensen.
14: I even got a text the other day from someone who goes, hey,
25: breaking Brett.
17: Our award-winning news team features Tony Marino. I'm Tony Marino in the WBT News Center. Jeff Atkinson. And the news at this hour, will your child have to wear a face mask? Mark Muller. WBT News time right now is 8.03. Anna Erickson.
3: Anna Erickson. WBT News. Joe Gillespie. Managing Mecklenburg County is a big job anytime.
17: And Mike Doan. I'm Mike Doan. WBT News. Traffic with Boomer Von Cannon. Right now, as you head into the nighttime, Independence Freeway, eastbound incident near the hospital. And Pam Warner.
12: Lots of things to avoid on your roadways this morning.
17: And sports
6: with Jim Zoki. The Braves are World Series champions, winning game six by a score of seven. Sharon Thorsland.
0: It's Duke taking on North Carolina at Cameron Indoor Stadium.
6: And Ed
19: Billick. The WBT Sports on Ed Billick. From
17: 1922 to 2022. This is the Great Colossus of the South. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. And I did not expect to be able to say it just like this, but at the top of the hour, (laughs) it will be 12 midnight and WBT will officially turn 100 years old. And I want to end by thanking real quickly here some very important people here. First of all, our presenting sponsor tonight, the Center for TMJ and Sleep Apnea. I want to thank T.R. Lawling Realty, our associate sponsor. I want to thank Telware, Sonny's Barbecue, the Charlotte Knights, Ty Boyd Executive Communications and Coaching, Showmars, and Rose Chauffeur Transportation. I want to thank the WBT 100 planning team, and that includes... Marsha Landis, our regional vice president, who you met at the beginning. I want to thank LaToya Brody, our marketing director. I want to thank Mike Schaefer, our program director. Katrina Wiles, Debbie Kwai Cook, Kiara Jacobs, Jackie Freeman, Ed Billick, Mary McDonald, Jonathan Mooney in the back, who's helped me put together the video for this entire night. Jonathan, couldn't have done it without you. Thank you so much. So many, so many people in this building love you, Jonathan. I want to thank the Briar Hoppers. Tom Warlick and friends who came tonight, WBT Hall of Famers, John Svenson and Eric Svenson. I want to make sure I, and, and Steven Lancaster who's in the back who uh, was headed everything at Halton Arena for what we did tonight. Thank you everybody for being here tonight. This has been a night that could only be 100 years for WBT. So thank you so much for being here. And our team is coming out onto the stage right now. Come on out everybody. WBT heading into century number 2. And we look forward to bringing you the news, the weather, the traffic, the sports, the politics, the entertainment, everything. And all of us, all of us here, stand on the shoulders of you tonight in this room. Thank you very, very much. And while I won't be here for the 200th anniversary, we salute everybody who will. Good night, everybody.
15: Celebration was produced and directed by Bo Thompson. Associate producer Jonathan Mooney. Living history moments written and performed by Mark Garrison and Narrowway Productions. And live music from the Briar Hoppers.
9: Dressing, trees upon your house and your car cut them down chop them up, up cut down cut, down. cut down chop up chainsaw get them up chop down chop down chop them down cut them up. 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 up chainsaw